Hello and welcome to the back page of Video Games Podcast. I'm Samba Roberts and I'm joined as ever by Matthew Castle. Hello. Matthew, it has been about three weeks since we recorded an episode together. How has your recovery from COVID been? Have you missed recording this podcast? Yeah, my throat hasn't though. Uh, if I'd done it last week, it would have been game over. I sounded terrible like death i'm not one of those people who sound sexy when they're ill you know they right. get like croaky voice i just sound like pl- plague personified um <laughs> so um yeah i'm eating a whole soother at the moment so i'm hoping you don't hear any like j- juicy mouth noises <laughs> that's good i like how the uh the week after we recorded our episode with a very professional ben hansen we're back to like being as unprofessional as possible um, on our yes. own terms that's reassuring i feel a little bit like kendall roy in that episode with adrian Brody of succession where he wheels out um very sick brian cox i feel like i've done that <laughs> with you for this episode so uh <laughs> apologies for that so matthew we're joined by another special guest so lucy would you like to introduce yourself hi guys thanks for having me uh so i'm lucy blundell i go by kimoku online and I am an independent game developer. I made a short visual novel called One Night Stand. And uh, before that, I worked at EA Chilingo, which was five years as a graphic designer. Awesome. Yeah, it's great to be joined by you, Lucy. You are a visual novel expert, and that's what this episode's about. In this week's back page, expect to press the A button about 50,000 times as we scroll through the exciting world of visual novels. Matthew wrote that. It's very good, isn't it? <laughs> Thank and, you. Uh, <laughs> and, I wrote that uh, from my sick bed, not deathbed. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yep, that's good. Um, more pity. That's good. Um, so, Lucy, how are things going? Like, um, You are deep into your new project at this point. So um, how has the, like, the last kind of six to 12 months looked like for you? I feel like the last year has felt like, oh, I'm near the end of the project. And right. it's, you know, that last uh, 1% kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I've been working on this project for two years. So really it's 50%. I've been having to like look after myself, you know, like take a step back and not crunch too hard, you know, um, mm. kind of like, you know, just go, go at a good pace. Um, but the game, uh, my next game is getting very close now. I just recently announced it. Um, it's called Videoverse. And um, yeah, like hopefully it will be out like kind of early next year, but still still working on it. Yeah, we'll definitely uh, get into uh, that new project to, you know, in a lot more detail um, in this episode for sure. So uh, Lucy, we know you're a listener of the podcast and many thanks for that. Um, we do like to ask the guests if we've ever upset them with any terrible takes that we can now apologise for. Um, I'm, I, I'm kind of a, I'm always like amazed when people who actually like make cool stuff listen to the podcast and are like, what on earth do they think of it? So, um, is there anything we should apologise for? Like now that you're here, I, I guess because like Splatoon three's just come out. I know Matthew's review was uh, was quite. I mean, it was it was fair, I guess, like uh, three out of mm. five. But it, I, I, I don't know that episode. I, I remember being like, oh no, like. I love Splatoon, and uh, um, I was a little bit like, "Oh no, those no!" Guys. <laughs> I, I really, I really biff that review. To be honest, um, <laughs> like I know I, I kind of agonised it over it in that episode. I just, I just didn't know how to write about it. I just, I, I completely like froze. I didn't sort of know how to deal with it just being more Splatoon and yeah. that actually being fine. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of weird because you know other games companies um you know how many fifas are there and they barely change every year and mm. and then when it's like nintendo it's like held to such a different kind of standard and... yeah 
but like I you know it's it's totally fair like it, it's a very strange kind of game but at the same time I'm really loving it so. yeah oh it's it's fantastic yeah that is a really miserable review and <laughs> I, I wish if I could take back one thing this year above apart from COVID which obviously I would skip yeah that would be it <laughs> so yes. It's one of a series of um, Nintendo reviews that Matthew has written for VGC, where he's messaged me going, oh, I can't fucking figure out how to write this review. And then it goes <laughs> up, he regrets the experience, and then repeats it. So I'm excited to see the same thing happen with Bayonetta 3 in a few weeks. I should be yep. um, <laughs> I'm already sweating. I, I tell you what, I, I can't get too ahead of it, but um, Bayonetta is a terrible game to play when you're like feverish ill. It's just, it's so hectic and strange and out there it gave me like actual nightmares <laughs> so <laughs> yeah that's a that's a, a quote for the box yeah very good next time they re-release they can stick that on there um and they can do like uh sort of in stars uh sort of like of soothers uh sucking sounds in the background <laughs> just to kind of add the full effect um yeah. so uh, Lucy, before we get into your career, I wanted to talk a bit about uh, your new project, Videoverse. Um, so mm. it looks like it's drawing on two things we love, a Miiverse-style uh, social platform and being way too online. So what's the game about and how did you settle on the idea? definitely is uh, about both of those things. It's been like in development for uh, just over two years. But before then, I was actually working on another project that I've kind of shelved for the time being. And right. basically, um, this idea came from it came from a lot of different places, but the the main one was that I had a mechanic in the previous game, um, which was like a drawing uh, mechanic. It hasn't been done in Rempi, which is the engine that I use. So we within the community, we kind of created this um, like drawing thing, and and that was really cool. Um, and it just, it was done in like this black and white with the same kind of dimensions as a Miiverse post. Mm. And I was thinking like, oh, wow, like that looks like Miiverse. Um, and then I was thinking like, oh, a Miiverse visual novel, like what would that look like? That sounds really cool. And then I was thinking, oh, what about a Miiverse dating sim or, and anyway, it was an idea that I shelved because I was still working on like another project. But, uh, yeah, like then when I you know kind of hit like a wall with my other uh, project I thought like oh I, I might go back to that idea and just try something else that was where it kind of started and I was also really inspired by you know like the codec conversations in Metal Gear Solid yeah yeah I really like I know most people who play those games don't like those bits but I really like them having like the the two characters faces like talking um mm. So I kind of wanted to mix like Miiverse with that kind of conversation uh, mechanic. And um, and then I also played or kind of watched my husband play uh, Travis Strikes Again. Um, and that has like the visual novel sections as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, that are done in like a very similar pixel art style. So Miiverse posts are like black and white drawings. And then Travis Strikes Again is like the green and black um kind of retro aesthetic so it was really like oh i want to blend like all these things and tell like a new story so um videoverse is about like a love story um but also has lots of like kind of other other side characters and uh, so there's like a main story and then side characters with like their own little things going on it's a much bigger game than my previous game Mm. Um, and it's another one where I think I've like 
taken off a bit more than I can chew. Do you know what right, I mean? Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was an idea that seemed small at first and has now exploded into this like pretty decent length game. I, I was curious to know if um, it's structured similarly to One Night Stand, like um, in terms of it being deliberately repeatable, or if it's intended to be one sort of like long um, experience where you get like maybe fewer outcomes. Like, how how does it differ in structure? Yeah, it's definitely um, the opposite. So it is like a like a more linear, um, longer experience. Mm. Um, there are like different branches, but ultimately it does lead down the same path. There's also like side stories that you can choose to do or not. Yeah, there's like different ways that your character can be. Like if you think uh, Mass Effect, for example, where you've got your Renegade and your Paragon, um, similar like that, like you can play the main character um, in like a more kind of, uh, you know, cocky, confident way or a more like kind and uh, compassionate way. Um, so each route will play quite differently but it still like it still ends at at the end. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Yeah, mm. that's cool. Um, I also one thing I loved about One Night Stand was just how uh, beautiful the animations were. Um, the sort of rotoscope oh, style uh, animations. So I was curious, like that side of things. I imagine you take a lot of pride in this, uh, looking the part. Um, from mm. a visual perspective, what kind of challenges were there in making it? just nailing uh, an aesthetic that people will like I guess um it's quite difficult because I think uh you know like one bit pixel art is it's either your thing or it's not like um uh Oprah Din uses um you know that same style in mm. in a more 3d world but um you know some people don't really like that game whilst other people love it so mm. I'm gonna lose some people from just the art style that I've chosen which is unfortunate, but I've always wanted to do uh, like a pixel art game. So mm. I'm very excited to do that. It has been difficult to do that in a more modern engine that uses like a really high resolution. Right, right. <laughs> um, I know like there's probably like better um, engines to do like pixel art games, but um, yeah, I've kind of taught myself programming. So I mainly <laughs> just use RemPy because uh, that's all I can do. That's what you used for One Night Stand as well, right? Yes, yeah. So RemPy is a visual novel engine uh, that uses Python. So it's quite easy to um, to kind of learn and, and dive in and make your own games. Um, I did want to ask, like, am I your first game developer on the podcast? Jay is technically the first one uh, who is working on Cassette Beasts um, yes, and yeah. worked for okay, uh, Chucklefish. But uh, yeah, you're you're the only one who's uh, made a game entirely by themselves, basically, um, testing okay. aside. So that's, that is certainly different, you know. So it's interesting that this game seems very embedded in gamer culture as your breakout hit, uh, One Night Stand, is famously talked about as a more non-traditional uh, subject for a game. Um, do you see Videoverse as a more gaming-adjacent project, or do they come from a similar place for you in terms of your sensibilities? So again, it's a bit of both. They do, like, on the outside, appear very different, probably for different audiences as well. But um, they do also come from, like, a similar place, which is, it's you know, it's me making my own game again. Mm. Um, and I think if you, you play... Videoverse, if you've played One Night Stand, you'll see the similarities uh, for sure. So although Videoverse is like a longer linear experience, it is 
a game where it's very much about having like a deep one-on-one connection with character um, reading into like the subtleties of the animations and the body language Hmm. Um, which is what One Night was something that I was really proud of with One Night Stand is that it's kind of about reading between the lines kind of game. So mm. Videoverse is kind of the same in that aspect as well. I found myself, and maybe this just reflects on me because I'm like a, a horrible shitty bastard, but <laughs> when I played One Night Stand, I was quite sort of, I found myself being quite... Voyeuristic. Voyeuristic, or, or like ruthlessly efficient in how I was like investigating this person's life and like using that information, like a kind of, again, I say it against them. I mean, like, you know, basically to try and further my own nefarious uh, aims. Um, uh, and I wondered if there was like an element of that to this as well, like that kind of you know learning about someone online or or learning about someone through how they you know depict themselves in a in a social network yeah so some of the characters um are quite you know they're they're expressing themselves through their drawings um Mm. and people do that in different ways so you know you go on to like meverse and you'll see a post that's like uh, or at least on splatoon 3 you'll see like meverse posts like i like men i am gay um, all these <laughs> yeah. kind of like kind of inappropriate maybe for um, a, you know Nintendo thing, but also like I I'm like well is this could be that person's way of coming out like that's that's how I how I view it and I'm right. I'm like you know whenever you see some of these drawings I'm like I'm always like really my you know really like peaked interest like well what's their story like what's going on so um, and maybe right. maybe that's just because I've been developing this game for years and I'm like thinking about these things way more than I should. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, there's like, uh, you know, lots of drawings. Um, there's a character that you get to know who's a really good artist and she starts kind of like expressing herself um, more and more with her drawings. Um, the main character as well is like, um, he's been kind of put off, um, like putting drawings on the internet because people have been a bit mean. Um, there's been like trolls online, like kind of not making it very fun. Um, so his confidence has been knocked a bit. So it's about him like building that back up, uh, meeting mm-hmm. of other artists. Um, I mean, that's another thing. Like another inspiration was that when I was growing up, it was using websites like DeviantArt a lot, uh, sharing artwork with like other people who were artists. Um, so there's a lot of like you know like early message board kind of culture in there as well. Uh, get getting to know like um you know regular kind of users and things like that is it tricky making something about any kind of online platform because it's all so fast moving like the trends change so so radically and a lot of people when they sort of try and recreate elements of online culture it's it's you know it's a bit quote-unquote cringe um because they're sort of (laughs) because they're out of step with it or you know their online experience is so different to the kind of the you know, everyone else's online experience. Like, how how do you kind of judge that? Because it's it's sort of set. Am I right in thinking it's sort of set and it's it, it's like a f- sort of fictional gaming platform? Is that right? Yes. So it's set in like a fiction. It's like a. It, someone described it as like an alternate Nintendo timeline. It's very much like I'm trying to recreate uh, this you know, alternate Nintendo universe. The console kind of looks like a cross between a Nintendo DS or a Sega Pico or right. even like a laptop. Like it's, it's it's a bit more of a, 
it's a bit different, but it is like I'm also like trying to find this balance of like, well, they needed to have easy access to internet at this point. Like, which year would this happen? Like, you know, when I first started designing the game, I'm like, oh, I really want it to be like the early 2000s. But it's and I and I had like this small device, and it's like we didn't have internet on small devices back then, you know. Right. So yeah. it's like try. You do want it to be fictional, but you also want it to seem believable. So that that was quite a hard line to like. Whilst I was like building the world at first, that was quite right. difficult. When is it set? So it is set in 2003. Oh, okay. um, and that's another thing like I'm sure someone's probably gonna be like oh we, we had like more than two colors in 2003 you know like <laughs> yeah. but I'm like well that's an aesthetic choice uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's also um like because I am a solo developer it's like that is also a choice I made so the work would be a lot easier for me to do you know so right can, nice <laughs> uh yeah if you if you adding like a load of colors then it, it just takes so much longer so I had mm. to do that with One Night Stand as well. It's like a very, um, you know, muted color palette, um, very simple backgrounds, but um, it was it was doable with what I had available. So yeah, yeah. yeah. D- does does that mean like you're having to sort of rewind twenty years of being online to get into the headset, uh, the mindset, <laughs> when you're like writing the game? Like, yeah. how do you did you ever write something and think, oh, that's actually that's too that's twenty twenty two? Absolutely. Speaking absolutely i did that so much i even like i wish i'd realized it sooner because i'd been doing a load of drawings as well for the for the game uh the the, you know the meverse like drawings and drawing memes of like things that have happened in the last few years it's like well that wasn't there and and it's weird because (laughs) it's like well i i did it because i know the people playing it are going to be playing it like today you know now and i want Mm. to do things that are relevant that people will understand but then Mm. if you go back to like internet culture of 2003 it's like i don't know if everyone remembers that like for example like i had to keep researching to try and you know get to try and nail this era and it's like even smiley like emojis didn't have um like they they all had noses back then Um, and i can't even really remember that like apparently the noses got dropped around like I don't know if it was like 2008 or something like that. Uh, the great denosing of 2008. <laughs> yes, I remember it well. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just like things like that um, have kind of, they did catch me off guard and I had to like, you know, redo quite a bit of work. But I'm at that point now where I'm like, I think I found a good balance. Like even the term, you know, an online troll didn't really exist. It Apparently it, that crept up around, I think like two, maybe the late nineties. So I just, I just worded it as like internet troll. So almost as though the characters themselves are learning these terms at the time right. in the game. So yeah, it's, uh, it's been tricky, but I, I think I've got it now. <laughs> I was curious, actually, you don't have, you don't have to tell us what it's about if you don't want to, but the, um the project that you shelved, what was it like making that decision? Because I imagine something like that is incredibly difficult to do when, you know, you're self-motivated, self-employed. Um, do you mind talking mm. about that? So it's kind of, I'd say funny, but it's not It's not funny. Um, <laughs> I've done this like twice. So before I made One Night Stand, I was actually working on another visual novel about the internet. It was, that one was a dating sim and that was set in like a, um, an online RPG, RPG, like a kind of World of Warcraft kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
it's funny that um Matthew said earlier like oh do you find that technology moves on too quick to make these stories and that's kind of what happened there um with that game was that things had just moved on so much that a lot of the story didn't quite make sense because I was making it meant to be in present day hmm. so that one got shelved and it didn't I I fully intended to go back to it but then one night stand like kind of exploded I really didn't expect it to take off like it did and then when I came back to it I was like I can't do this game with like my current um I need I need a bigger team basically I was like right so I've shelved that one so I start like a new project which was um called memories that was like a working title and I worked on that for about three years and that is the one that I shelved when I had the video verse um idea so it's quite painful but at the same time like i had quite a lot of life changes happen um which i won't like go too much into but the pandemic was one of them and i was working on this game that uh was a lot more kind of serious it was probably like a bit of a downer um and i wanted to make i just with the pandemic and everything i was like i really just i want to make something that's more uplifting that's a bit more fun that will make people laugh you know there's heavy stuff in video verse as well i do want to move people but i also want people to smile you know Mm. and memories wasn't really that kind of game it was quite a kind of semi-autobiographical quite serious and it just didn't feel right um the right time or you know, for the right, kind of the way the state of the world's gone since like 2016, I guess. So yeah, it can be really difficult working on something for a long time and then making that decision. Mm. But the decision was that Videoverse wouldn't take two years to make. I was really hoping it would be like a a six month kind of thing. Um, But then whilst working on it, I just saw so much potential that I really just wanted to make it into like a fuller experience for the player. So, Mm. yeah. Well, that's a a great reason to spend more time on something. You know, if Mm. it literally pulls you into it and just can't resist, Mm. then I don't know, that's a good sign. I think you kind of know when a game isn't quite working um, or if it's not the right time and place for it. I, you know, I know like it's not just me that gets this it's like other indie devs it's other like game studios a lot of projects get like binned um Mm -hmm. which sucks but it's just it's kind of part of the process i think with with game design and uh i hope i'll never make the mistake again but uh i don't know we'll see (laughs) out of interest is the um original game you mentioned there the one set in the online rpg that referenced by that film you can find in one night stand is that yeah Okay. Yeah, that's it. And I remember putting that in there at the time being like, oh, I want to see if people think this is a cool idea or not. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, and you know what? I still want to go back to that. This is the thing. I, I still want to go back to all my other projects. I just, um, I think I just need to grow as a developer, really. Mm. Well, an unspecified point in the future, if we're ever optimistic again as a species, which feels unlikely, then <laughs> Memories is uh, is sat there waiting to be yeah. picked up again, maybe. Ready to yeah. bum everyone out. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, are you feeling happy? Well, have I got a game for you? 
Um, so you worked at EA for five years at Chilingo. What were you doing there? Were they EA at the time, actually, Lucy? Is that actually correct? No. Um, so when I started... Oh, this is what like... happens when I plan the episodes. <laughs> <laughs> it's full of wrong information. That's, it's a bit unfair because um, it was only like a year after they then got acquired by EA. So not many people would know that. Um, okay, phew. <laughs> that's, got, that's got me off Samuel shitless. <laughs> For now. I started there like out of uni in 2010 and um, I was there for just under five years and yeah so after a year of being a graphic designer uh, they got acquired by EA and the team grew quite quite a bit. I became a manager when I was in my early 20s which was pretty awesome hmm. um, and we we published whilst I was there about 250 mobile games. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, it was like, when I first started, it was like two a week. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then it went to like one a week and then one every two weeks and and so on. Right. Um, but yeah, like notable ones were the original Angry Birds, um, mm. Cut the Rope, uh, Contra Jour, uh, Order Up, uh, Fight Back. Um, and wow. then there were like um, more popular IPs, like uh, there was like a Shaun the Sheep game. Uh, He-Man, Superman, things like that. Were you actively doing art for these? Or yeah, so uh, in that as management a role, were you designer, like away I from that? Or like, how, how did that work? Um, first brought into they basically Chilingo had a um, like a in-app social network called Crystal. A big selling part of that was that we could skin Crystal to look like it was part of the game. So that's what I first started doing was like right. making Crystal skins. And then I then like went into more of a traditional graphic design role. I was making like advertisements, choosing which screenshots to show on the store. Uh, we started like designing um, app store icons to make sure that they're like really standing out. How did you come to uh, leave Chilingo and set up as an indie dev? Uh, did your time there shape your your work that that would follow? I didn't go off and make mobile games, but. Um, I really did like learn a lot. Um, there was like an in-house production team there, and we'd always they'd always be talking about like why this game works, and I just it was just really beneficial in a way to kind of come from uh, like a publishing background and then go and be a developer. It's mm. usually um, I, I don't think I've really heard of many developers doing that. Um, usually, like a developer has uh, like a computer science background and has maybe always worked in some kind of development, whether it's games or, or software. But um, I don't know, like understanding like how a game gets sold really helped me design a game that I thought would sell well, if that makes sense. Your first big game was One Night Stand, as we discussed. And as we mentioned, it felt like a bold collision of subject matter and form. Um, I think like the short form nature of uh, each playthrough is really interesting and a lot of the choices you make on terms of like focusing on a single moment and interaction and how, how that kind of subsequently plays out, it's um, it's still really kind of one of a kind or at least um, it feels like it to me. So how did it come about and did it feel like you were breaking some mould at the time? I think I have a lot of crazy out there ideas. Uh, I don't really stop and realise that something is a bit weird 
Like, making a game about a one-night stand is pretty weird now that I look back on it. Um, But at at the time, I was like, I've not seen that. Why haven't I seen that? Let's do it. I I guess I see a lot of games telling the same stories, and I get really bored. (laughs) Mm. I I think ultimately, like, I see a gap. I see a huge gap, and I'm like, well, I want to fill it about a game about one night stand because that hasn't existed or in video versus case it's like i want there to be i, I want to talk about um this time of the internet and how people connected and it was at this kind of crucial point where the internet kind of is just gaining a lot of traction and a lot of people going to it mm. and you know we see what the internet's like now and it's like I don't know if uh, the way people talk online is is such a great thing um, if you're online all the time. So (laughs) I'm always like just trying to come up with ideas that I haven't really seen. And I guess, yeah, like I wasn't maybe super conscious of it at the time, I guess. Um, But I was with One Night Stand, I did make it for a game jam. So it didn't really matter whether it was going to be a success or not. It was just like one month of making a visual novel and seeing if it would work. And it mm. turned out it did. <laughs> so, um, yeah, then I just kind of developed it longer and made it into like a fuller game. It seemed like uh, it was a, a an example as well of how YouTubers picking up a game can massively make it sort of like sore. Was that huge for you at the time when... I think Jack Jacksepticeye picked it up, for example. It was so crazy because I put the free like game game jam version out, and I hadn't even t- play tested it. <laughs> I just kind of shoved it up, and then I went on a holiday uh, right. for two for two weeks, and I didn't even take my laptop with me. Like I'd never released a game. I was just just didn't expect any of this, and it got picked up by. Uh, like a really big French YouTuber. I think he's called like Squeezy or something. I've never heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and then it got picked up by PewDiePie. And then it got picked up by, I think, like Jack Jacksepticeye, Markiplier, um, a few others there. And I didn't even really watch any of these YouTubers. I mean, I still don't, but um, mm. <laughs> I really didn't have a clue about it back then. And yeah, it definitely like exploded. It it did help that the first version of the game was free, because uh, I just put it out as a as a game jam thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was at that point where I'm like, shit, like, like this is a really good opportunity to make this into like a proper a proper game that I can sell. So it definitely like translated over. What's very interesting is that some YouTubers. Um, like impact sales way more than others um the the pewdiepie thing didn't do anything um all his cheapstake fans (laughs) 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 it's because they're like 10 none of them have got a credit card (laughs) (laughs) yeah and 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 they they prefer to like just watch him like mess around you know (laughs) they don't really want to play the game um but then a lot of the french youtubers like i've had one just like a month ago um play the game again and then had a new another like uptick in sales um i don't know what it is about french youtubers but they really seem to sell my game (laughs) wow when it comes to the visual novel genre obviously one night stand does uh exist within that um even if the, the subject matter is quite uh, it was very specific. So, um, 
Visual novels are obviously the topic for this episode. So were you a fan of the genre beforehand? And if so, uh, did making the game make you reevaluate the genre at all? Was there anything that surprised you in the execution? So, yeah, I've been like a fan of visual novels since way before I even played visual novels, um, which sounds really stupid, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's quite the boast. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, basically, like, when I finished like playing Final Fantasy VII when I was like 11 years old, which I love, it's my favourite game, I wanted to find more more things like it. So I, I stumbled... A- That's when I learned about anime and... That was when I found a game called Tokimeki Memorial, which is like a dating sim. And I still haven't played it, but I was just obsessed with it. A little 11-year-old me just like looking online at like all these game guides and things like, oh, I wish I could play that one day. So I, I always had this like thirst for like playing a visual novel. And then it was only like by about 2011 or 2012 when I finally realized like oh these are actually quite a lot of them have come over to the west now and been translated into english so that was kind of when i started playing them it hasn't really like affected my work they've always been there whilst i've been making visual novels but i do think like there should you know i kind of touched on it earlier like i feel like there should just be more visual novels about all kinds of things like we're, we're very like it's either uh, you know, like mystery detective type things or like dating sims. And there are like some outliers and, and that's really cool. But I, I guess I, I look at visual novels kind of like books and there's like books about anything. But with visual novels, we're still quite... Conservative? I, I mean, I don't know because like all the books I own are literally Japanese mystery stories. <laughs> so actually the, the, the like visual novels really do reflect what my book collection is like. <laughs> And I'm like, fantastic. This is such a good genre for me. Yeah, so I suppose like visual novels have always uh, struck me as quite minimalist, built from a few vital parts. I love it when you read a question I've written for you. <laughs> when I put a me in the question. because you... That's I'm... so confusing. <laughs> Fuck me. That absolutely threw me. I was like, oh, can I... I can't do this. Sorry, Jesus I as well. These questions, now I hear you read them out, I'm like, some of these are a bit, a bit chewy. These are like questions I'd ask if I was interviewing you for like edge yeah <laughs> normally I suppose, like, it, on this podcast it's just like what games do you like <laughs> so, yeah so sorry for bamboozling you with those <laughs> no it's you know nice and dense but i do feel like yeah i'm asking for a wikipedia pages worth of responses <laughs> so um is it like um hard to pin down the stylistic elements of a, a visual novel lucy in terms of like picking font sounds text speed like um how much of that do you take from other places and how much of it is sort of your your instinct as a designer it's something that it's yeah it's quite simple uh, it's usually you know visual novels usually like text box a few buttons and maybe like a little portrait in a name box but i actually i do struggle with it sometimes um you, you want to make sure you find a font that's not going to be grating after like several hours of reading mm. um you know, some people hate, like, the little font noise. Um, I I mean, I really like it, but I had a, quite a few people write in for One Night Stand, like, oh, could you add a thing where I can switch that off? Um, <laughs> which I didn't do. Uh- <laughs> yeah, that's right. You show them. <laughs> but I, the thing is, I have done it for Videoverse. I'm like, right, you can switch it off in Videoverse. Like, I know this might great people, so. Yeah, the reason I sort of wrote that question was because, you know, reading a lot of reviews of visual novels and actually... Outside of the stories and the writing itself, what you actually have to kind of like engage with is like super minimalist. Mm. You know, there's it's, I'm not saying like there's there's few choices 
involved in these things, but there are maybe fewer choices or choices which are so important, like the wrong font can sync one of these games, mm. or if the text speed is like a little bit too slow, you can just run out of patience with something. And it, it yeah. just made me think, is there any other video game genre where those decisions carry like so much weight? Mm. I don't know if there are. No, it's but. a good point. I, You know what really turns me off with visual novels is if there's no like auto-forward. So you got to keep clicking. Like, I, I hate that. But I'm, I'm a clicker for the... Sp- <laughs> like, t- to get my ideal speed, I want to be clicking. The- I don't know. I, and that's the weird thing. Like, I'll still click. But sometimes I'm like... I just like the option to not click. I know it sounds really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. I want an auto thing which fits the exact rhythm and pace that own that is known only to me that's what i want them to somehow tap into and so the thing is some of them do but then maybe you'll like blink and then you'll you won't read it quite as quick and then it's gone and then it's kind of really annoying Mm. yeah stressful (laughs) yeah speaking of codec conversations the thing that always um upset me with those is if you accidentally pressed x they'd stop talking they turn off the vo and then you could keep clicking through it, but there was no way to like hit resume on the VO, and you were like, ah, oh, just gotta <laughs> either load the game, oh, the game shit. again, or just um, yeah, just read it and miss oh. out on this line of Kojima dialogue that uh, <laughs> will be read in a very tortured way by a poor voice actor. So let's take a quick break, then, and we'll come back with the uh, best visual novels and uh, some basics on the genre. Welcome back to the podcast. So, uh, before we kick off with our lists, um, let's try and attempt a definition of visual novels. Uh, there are loads of subgenres and semi-fringe cases. Matthew, why don't you kick us off? Then Lucy, you can sort of like join in on uh, and um, sort of add to uh, what Matthew lays the groundwork for. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> you put this in the plan. I know I wrote the question. I thought you were going to pass this to Lucy, and she was going to say something amazing. And I'd be like, "Yeah, basically that." I thought Lucy might want a break. <laughs> I can try if you. Want. Oh, go on, Lucy. Yeah, you should try. Let's do that. The, the impossible yeah, task of uh, trying to define what a visual novel is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, visual novel is is like an element uh, that is in a lot of games. I kind of split it into th- into three kind of categories. I think first you've got just your visual novel elements in video games. So games like, you know, Final Fantasy, which is like, let's say one third battles, one third exploration, one one third like um, visual novel dialogue, at least with the older games. Then Mm -hmm. like things like Fire Emblem, um, 13 Sentinels, Aegis Rim. Then I, I think there's like a second category that's like more general adventure game visual novels where people are going in to expect to expect reading but are there to play mm-hmm. and I'd, i kind of put in there like games like danganronpa zero escape series ace attorney things like that mm-hmm. and then the third category being like purest visual novels um which i i think people go in not expecting to play a game but to read um mm. so that would be um, something that is mostly like 100% text, uh, maybe not even any choices, or maybe mm. if there are choices, just a few. So games like um, Katara Shoujo, 
uh, Steinsgate, Shibuya Scramble, perhaps the house in Fata Morgana. Okay, so that's how I've tried to yeah, <laughs> categorize. I, Lucy, I agree completely. You've okay. really made with those categories. <laughs> All right. That's good. Glad we didn't try and didn't blow the episode by having Matthew lead on that <laughs> one. That's, uh, that's well, good. I was going to arm an R because there's like, like I think that that, that you use the word purist there, and like there is a pure form of these, which is like really you will be pressing a button and nothing else to move a story forward. Yeah. And then there are things which, by comparison, seem incredibly interactive and sort of you know almost veering on point and click adventure and it's Mm. kind of mad that they both sit under it like i remember playing what i would say like more purist visual novels after playing things like ace attorney and thinking like i didn't think ace attorney was a visual novel like in my head i was like i've never played a visual novel before um and it was actually a bit of a surprise that some of these things did were seen to fall under the category i guess yeah, it's interesting because um, I'm the, kind of the opposite. When I played Ace Attorney, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm finally playing like this really cool series, this uh, visual novel series. Right. Because <laughs> I was so excited to start playing visual novels. Um, and I came to Ace Attorney pretty late as well. But yeah, I, then I remember people online saying Ace Attorney isn't a visual novel. And I'm like, it so is. <laughs> Right, and, then, yeah. and then I think there's there's quite a lot of I mean, I'd love to know what you guys think like I think there's quite a lot of gatekeeping around what is and isn't a visual novel and I'm like let's just open it up and if if people say Ace yeah. Attorney is a visual novel like I I think that's fine like you are spending like 80% of your time reading so I've not not really got a problem with it there is something strange happens in the ones which are a bit more purist because the way you consume them is so sort of well, it's sort of passive, I guess. Like you know, you, you don't ever have to sort of you know engage to make the next thing happen. And mm. I've been trying to sort of think of like why why they work so well, or like you know the the count you know the argument against them is you might think, well, why not just read a book? You know, yeah. Like what is what's different between a book and a purist visual novel? Where you're just pressing A, and what is it about the act of just pressing a button? that kind of draws you into it or is it is it then is it the nature of the stories is it the fact that a lot of these are very like dialogue driven you know in a way that most books wouldn't be that dialogue driven you know mm. it'd be like reading a script mm. as opposed to reading a, a book and yeah i didn't really have any smarts so, <laughs> so yeah you know well i i think uh, maybe like you could compare it closer to comics because that's that's usually more dialogue in in comics yeah. Or like mm. inner thought monologue kind of things, um, yeah. and I I do think you know when I first played like my first linear visual novel that didn't have any choices in it at all, um, I did wonder like what is the point of this? Um, <laughs> not right. not in such a nasty way. It was more like just trying to understand it. You know, you know the visual novels I really like tend to be in the second category where I kind of want to. I kind of want interaction. I don't really play that many like pure ones, right. um, but the ones that I have, like it tends to be like a mixture of sometimes the artwork on the screen, um, kind of the angles of the, of the like shots, um, and mm. usually like the music is a big part of it. It's yeah, like yeah. it's like reading a really good story with this epic soundtrack that matches it. It's like a book that someone has soundtracked for you, which yeah, it sort of yeah. says, at this paragraph, play this song, mm. and and the impact of that. That's, that's what I was saying. Like, when they're so 
when when the the moving parts are so minimalist they can actually like hit you surprisingly hard you know yeah. like if all of a sudden in a line of dialogue you know you change the speed at which it appears or like you, you can you can create lots of verbal effects with like you know words vibrating or words appearing mm. like one by one because something is dawning on someone yeah, yeah you yeah. know that stuff can be really super effective mm. and you go oh actually a book can't do you know it, it, this has a couple of tricks which are you know very powerful when used right i think the other element of the gatekeeping thing is that this is quite an unusual genre in the sense that more than maybe any other genre, uh, these games didn't have a profile in the West for a long, long time. Mm. And then, and yet there is this quite deep, rich history. You mentioned um, Tokimeki Memorial there, Lucy, mm. but like, you know, these are games that existed. I understand there were just, there were tons of like Saturn visual novels, for example, yeah. that just ne- obviously never made it here. But um, maybe some of that, purest attitude comes from the fact that the there is just such a deep history of this stuff and maybe and ace attorney is maybe considered recent history by comparison i don't not sure if that quite unpacks it but Mm. that is where it kind of differs to maybe some other genres in the west i don't know if you have any thoughts on that i I think i I kind of agree with you really um i did like you know um you know a lot of those kind of saturn games um have like the anime art style as well um, and I, I was wondering, like, this was a few years ago, like, is a visual novel, does it always have to have an anime art style? Does It, it doesn't have to come from Japan necessarily, but does it need to have that art? And I ran a poll on it, and I got, like, over 100 responses. Um, and I think 10% were like, yes, visual novels have to have an anime art style. So right. it's quite a small percentage but there are still people like out there um, that, you know, kind of maybe still have that attitude of like thinking mm. of that's where they came from and that's where they should be. And that's the standard that's expected. Um, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Mm. Yeah, for sure. So I suppose to discuss our first encounters with the genre, um, and then we'll get a little bit into why we find the genre appealing. Like Matthew, Kick off with you. Was Ace Attorney was that your your sort of like gateway drug into the genre, or did you have some other brush with it before that? No, that 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 would have been it. But like I said, didn't really know it was classified as a visual novel at the time. I remember reading into them more when I was reviewing Nine 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 on the DS. I remember thinking, oh, this is a bit this this seems a bit more different. This has got a particular style, and you know, then you know. I remember, you go into the Wikipedia page for visual novels and like, is this one? Is this one of these things? <laughs> Incidentally, you will never read worse reviews than most games journalists' first proper visual novel review because <laughs> they, they write about them like they've discovered this thing for the first time. You know, they're like, get this, it's like a book. And you don't, you know, I just can't, I can't sort of understate how little you have to do in this game. You just have to press A and like every journal falls down that hole, I think, of being like, this is crazy that this is so uninteractive which for me is i reviewed steins gate i think on ps3 and yeah like that review is just embarrassing uh i wouldn't want to dig it up because i think it's a real like whoa check this mad shit out um <laughs> which is just sort of like yeah very cringy but um yeah i think yeah and, and, and then most of what i've played since then has been like the mystery stuff but more because 
uh, you know, being a detective fiend than necessarily a visual novel fiend. How about you, Lucy? What was your first brush with the visual novel? Um, so I think mine was Katawa Shoujo, which kind of translate as um, disability girls, which Ooh. sounds like a, a problematic, potentially problematic kind of dating sim. Right. Um, or, imp- or empowering, one of those two. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the thing. It was actually... Um, it's actually really good. <laughs> I, it was one of those like really surprised. Um, like it, it kind of like dealt with um, these like female love interests um, in a really like nice, sensitive, understanding kind of way. Um, so I'm not really like super into dating sims. I I do play them. Um, mm. But I'm generally like a little bit disappointed. Quite a lot of them are quite tropey. Uh, they rely on mm. like, the same kind of characters in every game. At least with like Atome games, which are designed for women. But I thought Katara Shoujo, like, I, and it has been a long time since I played it, but um, it felt like each character was pretty, pretty deep and quite respected and well understood. And mm. um, it was nice to like, you know just talk to a group of people that had uh, disabilities, I guess. And I, I think that's the nice thing about visual novels is like kind of you get to just play these conversations with people that maybe you'd never have. Um, right. Hmm. So, yeah, like I think that that was the first game I played. And then a couple of years later, I then played Ace Attorney. Um, but I played it um, on like my iPad or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. The old <laughs> iPad artwork. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really bad. <laughs> Yeah. The game was good though. Oh, the game's good. Listen, that that game can triumph over any any art art errors. Um, I I must admit, I tried. <laughs> I thought oh, I should. I, I I hadn't played any romance visual novels uh, for you know before this episode, so I thought oh, I should try playing some. I I, th- I maybe played a little bit of a one. I have a vague memory of one where you dated loads of samurais in like. Oh, is that uh, some? historical period setting begins with a h i think I yeah think. it begins with, it's a long word beginning with an h but it was <laughs> yeah I, cause I remember thinking like oh cool like samurais this is gonna be awesome this is gonna be a cool samurai vi- story about samurais and you're like man i really want to i really want to romance all these samurais this is, this is different um not even realizing what it was but i for this episode i tried playing a bit of uh buster fellows on switch oh yeah i've been playing buster fellows i've done like two routes in that because that's like sort of crime adjacent in yeah. that there's like crimes happening and all the men that you can kind of romance are sort of vaguely one's like a um like a mortician or an autopsy guy yeah um, and, he's the one uh, i dated <laughs> oh nice how did that work out it was all right it was a bit of a downer <laughs> yeah yeah but that's the thing i was like oh these are just cool guys like i was think i was playing it more as a Oh, these are the cool guys. I'd I'd want to be, you know, I just want to be guy friends with them. You yeah, know? yeah. So. And that's the thing. Like, wouldn't I? You hear you say that, and I'm like, that'd be a nice game to make, wouldn't it? We could just have a load of like, you know, you play as a male character, and you just have a load of like guy fr- friends. I just want to make yeah. unusual male friends because yeah. all my male friends are games journalists. So, <laughs> you know, visual novel about making friends in your thirties. That's uh, that'd be a good there. There we one, go. Right. Yeah. Next game, yeah. thanks guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're welcome. It's, it's that easy. Um, what is it about visual novels that appeals to you, Lucy? I just really like reading, I guess. But I'm like I'm really big into 
uh, manga. Like, it's probably my bigger passion than even video games, I'd say. I've got a huge, like, shelf full of manga. Um, mm. But I, you know, when it comes to, like, normal books, I just, I, I do have quite a lot of books, but I, I find it harder to read. So for a visual novel, it's just more engaging and entertaining. You've got the pictures and the music and... Growing up, I never read any choose-your-own-adventure books or anything, but I always thought the idea of them sounded really cool. Like, oh, it's your story, but it's what you make of it. Um, mm. And, you know, in general, I just... I don't really love, like, heavy action games. Um, you know, Splatoon is about as as action as I get. Um, <laughs> I Otherwise, I just get too stressed out. I, I, I don't really like... Uh, hitting loads of buttons and um, like keeping up, you know, the, the stress of like having to perform a perfect action, like in a platformer or something. It's like, oh. But when I was mm. younger, like maybe, but I just can't be bothered now. I'd much rather mm. like sit down and relax with a visual novel. Date a mortician. Yeah. Just take it easy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's see. Next part of this plan. I, brackets Matthew, have only really had experience <laughs> with thrillers and detective stories, of which there are many. Uh, does Lucy have more experience with social slash romance VNs? If so, what is their deal, Lucy? <laughs> so I think I probably play more detective murder mystery type ones as well. Uh, I think that's what I enjoy more. But um, I have played like a few um, like Atome games, which are so Atome is like maiden games in Japanese, um, right. and like Western and indie visual novels as well. I think like it's it's nice for for me like I I really like uh, romance stories so most of the manga on my shelf is like uh, romance stuff and it's just like it's more interactive version of that uh, mm. without like any real world consequence like oh yeah I dated a mortician but you know that doesn't upset my husband you know what I mean yeah <laughs> like, right <laughs> it's good. just it's just this bit of just a bit of fun i guess um yeah. <laughs> um and i i think some people uh can get a bit weirded out by it but it's it's you know it's it's like if you get weirded out by uh someone playing a dating sim i i just like well you're not weirded out by that that like kid who's like shooting a gun in a game and blowing someone's head up like it's it's just another yeah. it's just another thing that's like it's simulating real life or, or a part of life that maybe you don't get to do or um and i don't th really see much of a, of a problem with it personally yeah catherine can definitely get a little bit kind of like hmm if i if i'm playing like anything particularly dodgy on tv <laughs> it depends how dodgy it goes. well not dodgy if there's anything where you can like actively pursue a relationship with someone she seems to like be a little bit like hmm <laughs> like don't don't just don't just do it in my face yeah, um that's interesting know, but, like, but that also includes like watching like videos of people having bubble baths in yakuza <laughs> yeah. which is which is probably some, quite an obnoxious thing to, to activate in front of your wife <laughs> yeah well the the bubble cause the thing is uh with yakuza like me and my husband play it together um we always like pass the pad nice. <laughs> um, so when the bubble bath bits come up we um yeah i mean that that just feels very awkward and because they're like real real women on those videos it's like this yeah. is that's that's the line for me i'm like oh no they're staring at the camera this is really awkward <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Lucy, I was curious, did you and your husband play Persona 5 uh, past the pad? Uh, we did, but we only got about halfway in. We played like 40 hours. Um, yeah. Right. I, I was just really curious if you had to negotiate, as I did, the sort of like what an acceptable love interest was in that game, which was <laughs> like, that was like a UN style, nego- like a hostage style situation <laughs> to like a hot potato. And a compromise was eventually reached, but... Um, yeah, I imagine you didn't get far enough in to experience no, that, but uh, yeah, um, yeah, alas. Um, if you ever do get around to it, let me know who you end up picking as a compromise. I, I did, I did have my eye on the doctor. She se- right, she right. seemed really cool. I was like, yeah. But when it comes to these kind of things, my my husband's just like, uh, you you pick. I don't really care because he knows that I really <laughs> like that stuff. So. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you pick the love interest who might kill you with drugs. Yeah, That's, uh, it's, it's another um, like weird science person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, Matthew, maybe you should ask this next bit. Uh oh yeah. Sorry, I forgot I wrote these questions. <laughs> um, how do you? How do you? Oh, I can never make myself sound natural, even though I wrote it. <laughs> how do you? Uh... <laughs> you have to keep. You have to keep this in now. Yeah. How do you tend to consume these things? It doesn't sound like any human on earth, this. How do you tend to consume these things? I found that uh, pairing like incredibly long games and often quite low-energy storytelling techniques means that I have to be in a, like, a particular mindset or frame of mind for them. You know, all the stories have particular hooks. I guess this is more about, like, how do you play visual novels? Do you, like, do you sit at, would you ever sit at a PC and play one of these things? No. <laughs> no. Um... I've always preferred, like, kind of just before bed, um, like, one or two hours, something like that. Like, mm. how, like, when I used to read a book, I guess, um, mm. I, you know, like, handheld is really good for visual novels. So yeah, yeah. I did I did say I play Ace Attorney on my iPad years ago. Um, and then I got Steinsgate for Vita. Um, I also played Virtue's Last Reward on Vita, and now mm. like the Switch is like my visual novel thing. Um, mm. And although I I do play it on handheld a lot, I do also like the what's so good about the Switch is being able to plug it in on the TV um, mm. when it's like oh this is a really like cool moment in this game like I want it on the big screen and I want the big speakers and we've recently um just bought a new tv that has like the ambilight function so the the whole like room will change color um when certain things happen so I had a really cool moment I was playing um AI Somnium Files uh the Nirvana initiative recently Mm -hmm. and there's a part where like you walk into one of the Somniums and it goes all red and the whole room turned red and it oh, was spooky. so atmospheric. I was like, wow, that was worth spending all that money on that new TV. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's um, cool. So, yeah, mostly it's it's handheld, but then sometimes it's like, yeah, t- now that the TV is, like, set up really cool, like, it's that's nice yeah. as well, yeah. You want to bathe your living room in the cold blues of Buster Fellow's morgue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can... Um, I can actually endorse uh, One Night Stand on Steam Deck, by the way. You get a very scary um, screen at first saying, like, some kind of exception error was found (laughs) because you're playing it on Linux. But then Uh, you just skip that and it seems to work perfectly. Oh, uh, that's good. I still don't have one, um, so... I guess I don't know if the selection on Steam is bigger than it is on Switch, but I definitely know there's a couple you can't get on Switch currently that are on Steam. So, yeah. yeah, um, 
and uh, the prices tend to be a bit cheaper. So, yep, um, it's uh, I, I agree on the handheld front. So, um, I suppose then, uh, Matthew, I'm curious how you um, consume these. Actually, do you see these as bedtime reading as well, or is it a bit more like? Um, you know, I'll save my Japanese crime novel for like 11pm and I'll play these at 9pm kind of situation. I don't know, when I play games I tend to play them for a little longer than just like an hour here or there, you know, so I can I can still have a, a good old session with, with one of these. Um, yeah, it, it, but at the moment I'd say it probably replaces my bedtime reading, so I've got loads of books that I need to be getting through, but I'm not because I'm playing things for this episode or thinking about this episode made me think about some stuff that I hadn't played that I needed to play and uh, yeah um, well as we'll get to in the list so I'm currently stuck in an absolute monster of of, of a visual novel so um, <laughs> I'm going to be playing that for like basically forever I think which is which is um, quite stressful but um, yeah Steam Decks which seem perfect you know either one of those will keep you well fed. One can charge while you're using the other it's perfect um, <laughs> that's uh, yeah spot on um, okay, great. Then we um, we come to the list themselves. Then so uh, just um, Lucy and Matthew have both made lists here, top fives. Lucy, do you want to kick off with your number five? Number five, uh, I put Nosia. So that was a game that came out uh, a couple of years ago on Switch, at least in the West. And um, yeah, it's uh, have you, either of you guys played this one? I I have I've played a bit, but I've got incredibly stuck. Okay, yeah it. <laughs> It is a bit like that at times. I um, It's about 15 hours long in total, I think, um, or around that. I did reach a point where I, I played about two hours of like the same thing. Um, I'm not starting this off very positive, am I? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but apart from that, I was really like hooked with it. Um, it's a, kind of like a, a narrative version of Among Us. I guess like it's a load of um, characters on a spaceship it's described as like a social deduction game um, and it uses like loops so there's you, you end up playing like I think over like a hundred loops of the game and each time you play like one of the characters or maybe more are like these nosier and these are characters that will like kill uh, the humans on board the ship so it's it's like a little bit of a murder mystery but but it's more like you want to you want to find this person before they kill someone else like in the next night mm. it's not a kind of traditional visual novel in that the dialogue is very repetitive and at first i was like this is weird i don't really like it uh why why are the characters saying the same things like in every loop but then with the loops you start kind of deducting like well that character doesn't usually say that like why is he acting shifty is he nosier this time like and then you mm. um you kind of like vote um who you think it is on each one and see if you can get rid of them yeah i, I just thought it was really nice had like really nice character art and really like a soundtrack that i've not really heard anything like that before it was very mm. kind of futuristic and technical um mm. and yeah it had like I just really warmed up to the characters. I think that's quite an important thing with a lot of visual novels is having likable characters. It's almost like each each case is almost like procedurally generated sort yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. And so it really is kind of randomised who the people are each time. So it's quite a... I'd say it's definitely at like 
the gamier end of the Definitely. spectrum. Yeah. In terms of like, I think they're even like, aren't there like stats and things you can upgrade? And yeah, you can upgrade your stats. I think you can get to know uh, some of the characters a bit better and unlock like little stories with them. And you can, I think after a while, it just gives you free reign. It's like, right, you can set up this game how however you want. You can be nosier if you want, or you can be, like, they give you, like, roles on the ship as well mm. uh, that give you certain di- different bits of information. I don't know. Like, it was another one that I played with my husband, which when we, you know, whenever I play visual novels, we don't usually play them together. In fact, this is, like, the only one that that's happened. Um, right. But it was so, it was like that kind of addictive, like, just give it one more, one more loop. Let's do another loop. Like, and we take it in turns mm. between the loops and see if we find out different things and um yeah like it, it's uh it was made by like four people um a group called P- petit de Porto, i think if i'm pronouncing that right and i think it's fantastic and i i feel like i don't really see a lot of people talking about it which was why i wanted to include it in the list mm. because you actually have to do some actual deduction and it's randomized. I was just really bad at it. I never really felt like I learned the rules properly. It was, my, mm. it was the reason I stalled with it. I just couldn't, I couldn't like move the story forwards because I couldn't solve any of the cases because it turns out I, I only read mystery fiction, but I'm a terrible detective. So, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so that's, uh, that's a, cool, a cool first recommendation. The art style was certainly, um, certainly distinctive, just from kind of doing a bit of um, background, adding to wishlisting on my end. Um <laughs> That's awesome. So that's um, the aim of this episode is to give you a, a long list of things to put on your wish list. <laughs> yeah, to make that um, poor, poor dude who's collecting all of the recommendations we ever put on this podcast um, send it down some confusing rabbit holes as he updates his <laughs> spreadsheet. Uh, okay, cool. What's your number five, uh, Matthew? My number five is called Ever Seventeen. It's a mystery adventure game written by Kataro Ichikoshi, who goes on to do the Zero Escape series. This is what he was doing much earlier in his career. He did another trilogy of games. This is the middle part. They're all kind of unrelated as far as I can tell. I definitely think Zero Escape is better, and we'll we'll probably get to that later in the picks. And this feels like a, a much earlier work. But a lot of the building blocks of what he is interested in and what he was going to go on to do are here, and enough so that I think if you did play Zero Escape and you fancy some more of his stuff actually going back you know could could prove quite fruitful uh it's set in a uh sort of an aquatic theme park called limu which is like these three layers under under the under the ocean you take big lifts that go down there is an accident and it floods trapping a group of characters in this flooding theme park and they have uh you know 100 hours of air left and they have to escape. And much like the Zero Escape games, it's a branching kind of choose-your-own-adventure type story. It doesn't have the interactive puzzle room elements. It's like quite pure visual novel in that sense. But it's also kind of... It's quite a bit clumsier to play than his later games because it doesn't have like the very neat flowchart stuff which the later games have, which make it very easy to jump around the story and try new things out. It's also a lot vaguer in in what you're trying to do to get the different endings. Like There's almost a romance system in it, in that the, the two characters that you play as are both men and everyone else is, is a woman, 
and you're not dating them because you're in a, like a nightmare situation you're in this flooding <laughs> underwater theme park it's not really a place for romance but to get the different endings you basically prioritize spending time with the different the different women but around all that is like all the weird sci-fi stuff that is amazing in zero escape you know he is really good at like big concepts mm. crazy sci-fi twists some really mad stuff that only emerges once you've played like all the different paths and see how it all relates like all that good stuff is here but it is like i had to play it with a walkthrough because it didn't it was that unclear like how you were meant to get different things to happen Mm. which i would say is maybe like true of older visual novels i think the genre like the genre seems to be a bit smoother as it goes on great setting though for um great context for this kind of story right yeah yeah it's fun like it's 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 weird because uh he wrote the story for that world's end club uh last year which also had an underwater theme park in it um i think he returns to quite i think there's a few uh like of his own thriller tropes he returns to a lot like he he likes certain reveals that I've seen in several of his games, and yeah, it turns out underwater theme park is one of them, which is odd. That sounds really cool. It's not like all singing, all dancing. It's pretty sort of stripped back. Mm. Um, quite hard to find as well. You can't yeah. buy this anywhere, so you know you just have to do what you have to do. <laughs> Let's do tick off uh, tick off piracy implied on the old uh, bingo. Listen, card who there. knows? Who knows? <laughs> Hey, it was it was apparently um, remade and on three sixty in twenty eleven, Matthew. That's um, but with three D models instead of two D. Oh, right. oh, that's a shame, isn't what, it? What and released in um, the West? I, I, there's I, like been one. I think there was one PC version of this which was released and like localized yeah. in two thousand and five. I don't think the three sixty one was, but then the footprint for that console was so small in Japan. You have to think why was that even worth it? Yeah, but you can. Uh, well, I won't say how, but. You can play this on an Android phone if you put your mind to it. Interesting. Yes, let's uh, say no more and um, and keep lawyers out of uh, the back page <laughs> inbox. So, what's your number four, Lucy? Uh, so, number four, I picked Eliza. And mm. that is a game that's made by Zaktronics. Um, it was in made in uh, 2019. This one is quite a short visual novel. It's about five six hours long so that's why i kind of recommend it for people that might be new to visual novels it doesn't demand too much of your time and i think it's a really good story um i mean maybe it might just be that it's like my perfect kind of thing it's like all my interests fall into this game um you play as um evelyn who's a young woman who's kind of burnt out from the tech industry that she works in uh, she was like a programmer And then you meet her and she's not really like doing much with her life. But then she starts like um, kind of virtual counseling um, as an assistant for this program that's called Eliza. And she works as a proxy. So it's kind of like the the near future where uh, they've made this Eliza program and it's like a therapy, basically, that it makes um, it's more... so people can access therapy a lot easier. And this uh, big program uh, kind of is your therapist. But instead of it just being like an app or something that's quite inhuman, they have these like proxies. So um, Evelyn works uh, as a proxy and basically just has to read a script that the Eliza program gives her. So these people come in for like a therapy session face to face with the proxy 
um, but then all she's doing is reading the script that the computer's telling her to say. So you mm-hmm. can kind of see that, oh, this is a bit weird and maybe morally wrong. And and it kind of questions, like, is technology really such a good thing? Like, why are we asking computers to do this when maybe humans should be doing it? And it kind of explores in loads of different avenues, like the dangers and the bad side of technology. And you meet like the people she used to work with on the Eliza program. They've like had a bit of an argument and one of them's gone off to like make his own company. And he's like, oh, I want to work in dreams now. And you know, these guys are basically trying to like hire Evelyn back. And you can, Mm -hmm. as the player, you can pick like, well, do I go back to my old boss? Do I go back to the other guy who started up his own company even though and you know that character seems maybe a bit more interesting but then he's like quite pervy and like not he doesn't seem like someone you'd want to work with so Mm. there's that kind of toxic workplace environment thing going on as well so that's it's really interesting Um, all the good stuff (laughs) yeah yeah um in such a short game as well it's it's really good and and then you you meet like other people who like oh i got out of tech like fuck tech i'm gonna be like a dj now and she was like this this is like a character who's like really cool and um (laughs) i was like yeah like i like her attitude so i've actually (laughs) played like this one a couple of times because i was like i really want to see like how the other endings go and it doesn't really like it's not a game that has loads of different branches it just kind of changes at the end and it just lets you it lets you pick from all the information that you've gathered which kind of future fit um, Evelyn is the best. I think what makes it so good is that this one is um, like fully voice acted and um, it's really well done Um, Mm. because that's not something that a lot of visual novels have. It's also a Western visual novel, um, which is really nice to see. Um, I think it's a really solid game and I'd yeah definitely recommend that. I need to play this one because I I, I remember... I can't remember if I read an interview or listened to a podcast interview with, um, is it Matthew Sagey Burns, I think is the, the yeah, writer on this. It. And he wrote, he did a really good Twine game about video game development, about, I think it's called The Writer Will Fix It, or like Get a Writer to Fix It or something. Oh, right. And it was, he was, because I think he worked at like 343, the Halo people. Mm. And he, yeah, he did this Twine thing about being stuck in this very frustrating creative meeting where like the the pressures on the writing team by the other kind of departments of the game studio were like destroying them and it was just I've not worked in that environment but it seemed it felt very sort of authentic somehow and funny and I liked the writing in it a lot and it was like quite alive by twine game standards um mm. and so yeah I've been meaning to play this I don't know why I haven't that's dumb yeah I've added that to my wish list that sounds rad uh that's a great great subject matter the backdrop of shitty tech that's, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's cool you should have called it that instead of eliza shitty tech <laughs> that's why i work in uh, games publishing now matthew that's they need me you know yeah. that's that kind of inspiration um that's awesome okay great well thanks uh, thanks for that lucy so matthew we go to your number four which is sounds like your white whale of a visual novel oh yeah this one's this one's a beast um so this is umineko when they cry which I've got to say, I started playing a while back and I haven't finished because uh, the internet estimates this is 140 hours long. Um, 
and it is literally 140 hours of just pressing a button. You make no branching decisions in this. It's just a story. This is the work of a studio called Seventh Expansion, which I think is actually a couple of like sort of like hobbyists. I can't remember the official term for it, but like all the all the creators of this, they have like internet handles rather than names. So it's written by someone called Ryokishi07. Before he wrote this, he wrote another absolutely massive horror mystery epic uh, called Higurashi, When They Cry, which I haven't, uh, which I started to play at the same time as this, because I heard that they were, they're unrelated subject matter-wise, and there seemed to be a lot of people arguing over which one was better or which one would, was the best place to start. So I figured I was going to commit 100 plus hours to one of these. I'd try them both and see which sort of grabbed me. This one, Umineko, is a almost Agatha Christie style setup in that these 18 people end up on this island which is kind of closed in by a typhoon. There's a family of rich people who are there to discuss inheritance. There are loads of servants, multiple generations of the family, lots of interesting people. It takes about eight hours for for anything to happen. <laughs> like it's just a lot of people, a lot of scene setting, so I can understand why this isn't for everyone. But if you are into big, multi-person, ensemble murder mysteries, this is just so much my jam. Loads of people in a house, loads of conflict between different people in the house. You think, oh my god, what's going on here? You know, any one of these people could murder anyone else here and it would kind of make sense. There is a supernatural framing to it where they keep talking about this witch is going to turn up and force a load of sacrifices. Um, Spoiler alert, people start getting bumped off according to the witch's plan. And the thrust of it, at least where I currently am, like I still probably have 70 hours to go or whatever, um, (laughs) is that, um, you know, there's a lot of debate about like the supernatural, you know, is it is it as supernatural as it seems or is is there actually a mundane killer at work here? And everything we were talking about earlier about how these can elevate just a good book, it's just a huge murder mystery novel with like amazing music that you know when bodies are found the music is super sinister and it's quite chilling the character art i love i i did patch this on my steam deck you can patch it to have like a ps3 visuals because there was a ps3 version so you can like update the sprites and it actually looks pretty spiffing like that i I much prefer that over the original art which is a bit more cartoonish and i actually think the subject matter suits slightly more refined art of the ps3 version and the voice acting which also gets patched in from the ps3 is absolutely amazing like these it's all in japanese but they're really like selling these characters there's this old geezer who sounds like he's on his deathbed recording the dialogue it's, uh, he's unbelievably hoarse and frail sounding but also really angry and whenever he turns up i'm like this is great i love this guy <laughs> um i think it might drive me mad but i think it's also kind of brilliant well okay is is that one, Lucy, that you're familiar with? Uh, I have heard about it, but when I uh, saw the playtime, I was like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just a bit intimidating. Yeah, abs- absolutely. It's a bit of a pig as well in that you have to buy it in two parts, and it's quite confusing. Like When you go into Steam and actually try and find these games, it's never you don't really know if you're ever buying the right bit because they've all got stupid <laughs> names. So like the first part of this is the question arcs which is chapters one to four, and then the second half of the game is chapters five to eight, which is the answer arcs. But then, like the original game, the Higurashi, they sell chapter by chapter, so you have to buy all these individual chapters and patch them all individually. They're not making it easy for this, like, what is held to be this, like, masterpiece of crime fiction. 
I wish there was an easier way of just bundling it all up and not having to patch it and do all this this stuff, but um, seems worth it. Mm. Okay, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll be sure to check in on you on the uh, next five what we've been playing podcast, Matthew, to see how you get on with this. Well, that's that the thing. Be... I've just got to park it because I've got to play other stuff for this freaking podcast because I can't just be <laughs> playing this thing because I can't tell anyone what's going on in it because it's all spoilery. Right, right, yeah, that's true. So it's, uh, yeah, no no good for this podcast, this is, no good it, at all. Yeah, anti, Patreon, it's an anti-podcast game, this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Lucy, what's your number three? I picked Shibuya Scramble. I think Matthew's played this one more recently than I have. Oh, <laughs> uh, so good, so good. <laughs> I think I played it in 2019 um, on PlayStation 4. I was really lucky because... Um, my friend bought it me for my birthday and he was like, he knows I like visual novels and he gave it to me and he's like, oh, you know, it's a Spike Chunsoft one. I, I, I'd be right up your alley. And I'm like, I have never heard of it. Right. <laughs> and um, I, I was looking at it like, this looks really weird. Like it's like an FMV game, but it's a visual novel. Like what, what's, what's the mm. deal? And, you know, you load it up and it's quite um, like a linear visual novel. I don't think there's really that many choices. Um, and when you do make a choice, either one is the right one or one is a bad end kind of thing. So it doesn't really feel like a choice. It's like, oh, I go back to the previous choice if I get game over and make the other choice kind of thing. And I was like, oh, I'm not mm. really sure about this like, gameplay. It's not really even much, much game to it. Um, but then after about two hours of like mm. getting into the groove of it, really, really hooked me really liked it i like that it goes between characters um i really like that it's not just the same kind of art style for a visual novel it's like actual photos um i think the development said there was like over like a hundred thousand um photos in this game Mm -hmm. um there's also like some cutscenes as well but there's not too many of those I, i think it's got a nice cast of characters um it's got that kind of loads of twists and turns um it's got a lot of good like humor in it i think i really liked kind of tamas story which is the the person in the cat costume who's like doesn't remember how they got there and is like having to try and sell um like this weird energy drink (laughs) 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 and um it's just like in this like Japanese event that's just it has this like really crazy host guy and um, again the music uh, is really uh, good and fitting for like all these characters and all these scenes. It has that light humor, but it actually has quite a smart, really good story. And I I really liked uh, I, you know again I don't really want to spoil it, but. I do like um, how all this, all the characters' stories like came together at the end in Shibuya. I don't think that's too much of a, a no, spoiler. no. I think that's. <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah, I really like the theme of it. Um, you know, at the beginning, a character um, they're trying to like kidnap this girl in like the opening scene in Shibuya um, near the Hachiko statue. And uh, the police like try and like protect her, and um, and then it just goes off from there. Like, it's just really fun. Um, oh, it's so good. 
Yeah. What did you like about it? Video games don't tend to make me laugh. Like, I don't think that there are very few, like, mm. legitimately, like, laugh-out-loud funny video games. And this was just so surreal. It had a couple of just, like, total idiot characters who just kept <laughs> cropping up in, like, different timelines. And the way that they've structured the day so that all these different people keep colliding in these interesting ways. Like, it actually has the the beauty of, like, a proper theatrical farce in terms mm. of like how how people keep kind of you know accidentally messing up each other's sort of what they're trying to achieve and how that takes them on these new routes i love that one of the characters is a freelance journalist and just trying <laughs> to like basically stop one of his friends from kind of killing himself because his business is going to go under because he can't get his magazine sent on time oh god so he, yeah i forgot he has that. <laughs> like one here's one afternoon to write like 10 local interest stories and like that's his whole arc in the game <laughs> it's just like trying to find people interesting enough to put in this stupid gossip mag i uh, i just thought that was just so good i didn't i didn't put it on my list because you put it on your list but this is like a legit like all-time favorite for me of of like anything i just think it's so good and the theme tunes are banger as well yeah I really like, it's a really small thing, um, but since we were talking about like user interface and visual novels, I really love that when you select a character, it kind of like, they move and it zooms in yeah. on them. It feels so like kind of cheesy, but it really gets you in the mood to like step yeah. into their shoes. So I just really like it. Yeah, really um, good. Yeah, there's a load of like um, extra stories and unlockables as well. I don't know if you played any of those. Uh, I I do need to go through and do all that stuff, but I I figured I'd sort of needed a guide because some of that's buried yeah. in some slightly weird decision-making. Yeah, it is. Um, I did unlock one of them, and it's a totally different tone. I was, like, crying at the end of it. It's like oh. a, a one-hour, like, just this one story about these two minor characters that barely even get mentioned in the main story. Um, I couldn't believe like how emotional it was. It was really good. Oh, wow, <laughs> I was wow. like, shit, because you know, Shibuya Scramble is a bit of a you know light-hearted, silly game. And then one minute I'm like laughing, and then I read I read that, and I'm like, oh my god. And how like it was only like an hour of like an extra story. Like it got me that emotional in just like one hour was um, mm. really impressive. So yeah, and, and I think I played like another one, but there's still like more side story more extras that i still haven't even managed so right yeah like i think i need a guide to like unlock all the others yeah yeah mm. hmm. well that's good i'm, I'm pleased to hear someone else uh, rep this game um which matthew got at least at least 20 of our listeners to download um off the back <laughs> of his recommendations so that's cool um so matthew we come to your number three hmm. which i think i've mentioned briefly on here before um, yeah, I think so. Raging Loop, which is by Chemco. Uh, it's kind of a horror mystery game. Um, I guess, like, not miles off from those you're in that. It's another deduction game, but it's, like, entirely scripted. There's no, um, like, emergent gameplay here. It's, like, a very linear story where you go to a village which is attacked by werewolves at night, and in the day, everyone gathers in the town hall to work out who they think amongst them is the werewolf so it's like the 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 party game werewolves but kind of in this written form but like i say super scripted so there's there's a very set outcome to it all but even so i still got really pulled into the the mystery of it and i got pulled into the drama of the town council meetings where everyone's theorizing why someone would behave in a certain way because in different 
timelines in this game. Different people are the werewolves each time, and it it has uh, you know a very different kind of sort of dramatic thrust to it based on who the werewolves are, and maybe held back by some slightly convoluted plotting like the end where it basically explains everything is just like a three hour like exposition dump and there's lots of it I thought was super clever you know which is why I'm recommending it but there was almost some stuff in it I thought hey you didn't really need to go that far you know you didn't need to explain those elements I would have I would have had a faster moving ending like I was impressed by x y and z you didn't also need to explain a b and c a little bit tropey in places i guess there's some slightly crude uh, anime (laughs) behavior Um, but uh you know there there isn't quite a few of these games yeah (laughs) not defending it it's it's just part part of the it's part part of of, yeah it is (laughs) yeah an interesting one i played it on the switch uh you know it's about i don't know 20 hours long or something um but i think if you played like zero escape and you liked the kind of how that branching sort of story worked there it's sort of similar here in the way that you learn information and then take on new branches reviews were a little down on this one but i don't really know why i thought it was fine i've heard um good things about this from like other like friends that like visual novels um it's been on my list uh, yeah. but i just haven't got around to it yet it's good it's good it's good and spooky and it and it it resolves itself well as well. I, I like it. Well, um, that's uh, we lead into uh, quite a different seeming uh, number two from you, Lucy. Mm. Um, just kind of like having a, a quick look at this one, um, sort of behind the scenes. So what's your number two? Uh, my number two is Mystic Messenger. Um, so I kind of wanted to include uh, an Atome game or, you know, like a dating sim. Uh, for Mystic Messenger, I... It was very popular when it came out in kind of uh, 2016, 2017. Um, What makes Mystic Messenger quite special is that it's a mobile game. And it's probably the most immersive kind of real life crossover game I've ever played. It was it was the first time I played it. So, you know, we're talking like six years ago now. Um, but basically you download the game on your phone as you do <laughs> but then when you load up the game it's like oh you're downloading the game the the app called mystic messenger and mm. when you load up the app it looks kind of like whatsapp and it's like oh hey you just downloaded this app and it's like oh shit i actually did that in real life like <laughs> oh, right. and then they all these people start talking to you and it's uh it's um, an Atome game, so it's like a bunch of cute guys, and there's also like a, a girl that you can kind of befriend. You know, they're all popular, they're all really cool. Uh, kind of, you know, the characters remind me a lot of Busterfellows, but right. I felt like that compared to Busterfellows, these characters just felt a bit deeper. They have a little bit more to them. Someone you might think is like, is, you know, like a blonde haired, smaller, energetic kind of guy in Mystic Messenger is actually. He's really into like League of Legends, and he's right. constantly talking about it um, in the chat. And then I think like later on, he starts like getting kind of re- so into the game, like he's kind of suffering from like depression and things, and mm-hmm. it gets quite serious. And that's just like one character. There's then like Jahi. Sorry. So this is um, me trying to pronounce Korean names because this right, is actually okay. a, a Korean visual novel, which is also quite different. Um, Jahi is the uh, female character that you can kind of befriend and she is like very kind, very workaholic, works for one of the other guys in the group 
and then when you get to know her it's like oh actually she you, you kind of learn um that her boss is a little bit like overworking her she wants she has dreams of like running her own coffee shop and having more of a work-life balance and if you go down her route which is what i did you can try and get her out of that and have her Ooh. like open her own coffee shop um i did try and date like some of the cute guys but i always kept failing at it. Oh, right. um, i thought i didn't realize you could fail i thought these were like designed that you just win and no, <laughs> have a happy so- ending no, you can if you don't get like enough points. Sometimes it can just be like, well, that's the end of the game. You didn't, uh, you didn't get to know anyone well enough. Uh, please try again, kind of that's thing. Just now, like real life romance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what? Uh, and just like real life romance in Mystic Messenger, these like messages on this like WhatsApp thing, they uh, come in in real time. So you can like sit there and have a chat, and then they'll be like, "Sorry, guys, gotta go." And then you can't play the game for like five hours until they come back. What? So yeah, so it's like um, I don't, I think there is a name for this kind of game, but it's basically like real time. Right. And um, it doesn't charge you to like you can't like pay money to get like the guys to come back faster. You can You can. So oh, um, okay, right. So that's the thing. You can play it that way, but. I am there like well one I'm a bit of a cheapskate <laughs> but two like you if you play it like like that so like you're actually messaging your friends like just a, a little bit uh, you know throughout the day um it felt really immersive it was like oh wow I'm actually like chatting to these guys oh I just got a text from like Jahi like I'm gonna just gotta see what she says and it's really it's really weird it's like I haven't played anything like that um, and what it gets even stranger because they they phone you up. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yeah. So like your phone rings and you're like, like I'm at work. This? I can't talk to you right now. I can't talk. <laughs> Sorry, it's a hot Korean boy. Yeah, and they call you and and it's like all in Korean and but they, you know you have to look at your screen and read the subtitles. But um, <laughs> and you, you can't really talk back to them. That's where it gets really awkward. You're like, uh huh, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was a really good game because I for me at the time because I just moved over to Germany and I didn't have like many friends and I was you know I work at home on my own so it was like mm. okay like this is a nice distraction <laughs> like during the day yeah um, but also because of mm. that I've haven't like revisited it because I just I don't have the time to like be distracted like all day like that do you know what I mean By I pretend could, I Korean could... boys <laughs> yeah. I just do not have time for these boys. <laughs> <laughs> I could just pay and like just sit there and play the other routes, but I feel like that's that's not how the game was designed, you know. Mm. Well, this must remain persistently popular because VG twenty four seven updated their guide to it just one month ago. Oh, wow! You see? So people are still well, playing this. I, in I was going to say, like, uh, you know, I, I remember there being a couple of sites who basically like Mystic Messenger was like a, a substantial amount of their entire traffic was wow. was just from Mystic Messenger guides. Like they were really, yeah. You can you can ride that SEO train pretty hard. <laughs> I, it sounds really kind of like naive, but I do wish there was a version of this that was aimed at men that wasn't cursed. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, but I know such a thing would never exist. Just because I think like conceptually it'd be interesting to go through the thing. I suppose and go through it in like the I don't know hetero male perspective. I suppose in a very basic way. Yeah. Um, just kind of just kind of curious about the experience and the feedback loop of a. A kind of like immersive app experience like that um 
the only thing I've kind of played like it is like the Mr. Robot iOS game they did, which was like a sort of fake hacking app uh, kind of thing where they would call you as well. But um, this sounds like a cool, cool format. So uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I will have some Korean boys message me after all. <laughs> um, Matthew, uh, let's go to your number two. My number two is Steins Gate, uh, which is quite, quite famous, quite well known, um, made by 5BP and Nitro Plus. Uh, it's kind of a, it's a time travel story about a mad scientist who creates a time machine with his microwave and starts messing around in the past and creating trouble in the future. Not hugely kind of interactive, like the the branching points are uh, sort of text messages that you can send to the past to change the future, but definitely like one of the breakout success in the west uh, i always thought this was based on an anime but it's not the game came first and then they made the anime of the game which is also very successful i, I really like time travel stories which is why why this this made the list i just really like the whole kind of fucking with you know consequences and seeing what happens and they all get themselves into a into a terrible pickle and then have to kind of get themselves out and you know there's lots of different terrible fates you probably have to experience before you get to the true ending and well I won't even say whether that's jolly or not you have to you'd have to play it um interestingly there's a couple of versions of this there's like the original which is you know quite sort of static art and very sort of trad visual novel style and then there's actually a version which I've got on Switch as well, which is the it's called Steins Gate Elite, which is based on it. Basically, brings in a lot of the anime as the art of the game. So it's got the same writing, the same voice acting, the same story, but it's a lot more dynamic because it's using all these clips from the show. So it feels like they've kind of merged the two things together in quite a kind of showboating way, which I like. But now I do know, however, that uh, when we were talking in in it, we were. Make, listing uh preparing for this this episode lucy you mentioned that you did not like the cast of steins gate and that you maybe don't like steins gate at all um so you know i am uh yeah what's the beef with steins gate <laughs> yeah um i don't know i just don't know if it clicks um it was one mm. that i was very excited about i got the like physical um copy which i don't usually do mm. um uh, people were saying, oh, yeah, you're going to really like this. Um, and maybe it was it was one of the first visual novels I played that didn't have that many choices in. So maybe that was the first thing that kind yeah. of threw me off a bit because I do prefer more interaction. Mm. But I also, like, I do play visual novels without that. So there was something else. And I think it for me, it's just the characters. Like, I just, I don't like the main scientist guy i can't remember yeah. all the names um i didn't mind the um the girl with like the long hair the scientist girl she seemed kind of mm-hmm. cool but then she kind of disappears and then you like left with like these other characters i just did not like any of them um i don't really like the girl with the hat who's like <laughs> yeah just the way she kind of like talks and everything just kind of annoys me the um the other guy that he uh works with seemed like a bit of a I don't know um, if I'm remembering correctly, but just the people a bit like creepy or pervy yeah, in this game. Is that what's putting me off? So like- <laughs> it's funny when you when you when you noted this, I thought I'm going to look this up and make sure I haven't forgotten something like ghastly because I don't want to be like this game's amazing and it's terrible. Um, and it's definitely like 
there's some stuff in it which I didn't really remember, but when I was reading it today, I was like, oh boy, this is problematic. There's there's some quite bad stuff with a trans character in this, for example. Yeah, where, I remember a bit of that. Where he, like, one of the changes, he basically can, ch- can change change a character's gender and then change it back it's it's a bit me- it's a bit messy it's a little bit like written in 2008 yeah like, goes into some territory which i think there's a lot more like sensitivity and empathy now and it just doesn't land as well which i would say is true of a few of the things in all of the games that i've recommended there's stuff where i'm like oh yikes this is like this is bad. This isn't why I like this. No, <laughs> you know, <and> I like. <laughs> that's the difficult thing about like visual novels is that there's some really, really good ones, and then they put this kind of stuff in, and most of the time I can look past it. Yeah. But with this one, I just couldn't. I think it's because the main character was like you had to, you know, usually like if in Danganronpa, for example, like the main character is usually like bumping this stuff off, like oh that person's. Why are they saying that? That's stupid. Like, that's not very nice or whatever. They have, mm. a, like, a moral compass. Whereas in Steinsgate, it didn't feel like the guy did. And I'm sure, like, oh, there'll be, like, character growth or something. Um, <laughs> but I'm there, like, eight hours in, I'm like, I just can't, like, I can't do anymore. So I didn't I didn't get that far. Yeah. And then, like, it was only, like, a year ago, I was like, I saw someone talking about Steinsgate again. I'm like, right, I'm going to try and, like, watch the anime because maybe my problem was the slow pace of the, of the right. visual novel and I, cu- I just couldn't get into it again i was like i hate these characters yeah <laughs> um and what's funny like my friend that um gave me shibuya scramble for my birthday um he tried playing Steinsgate as well and he was like no i can't, I can't do it yeah. so it just seems like it's really strange because like i i know it's really like highly rated and people really like it and i and i reckon i really like the the time travel story but i just can't get to it um, yeah that's that's my that's problem. fair that opinion seems quite widely held online um, okay there's, there's there's a lot of that but yeah so i'm recommending it for the time travel story not the problematic character behavior Um, (laughs) should you choose to play this off the back of my recommendation that is why i'm recommending it (laughs) what's the best place to uh, play this one do you think matthew because it is quite slow paced i actually think the kind of hyper presentation of that uh, newer elite version is quite a smart way because like i say it's almost like an interactive anime it's quite smart how they've stitch the things together um because the original mm-hmm. game was like very static there's not not really not a lot going on in it it's just like listening to a very hyperactive radio play where now it's yeah this version i think is is uh yeah pretty sound awesome uh well we come to your uh, number one then lucy my number one is virtue's last reward it's another one by kotaru uchikoshi um who i recently played like ai somnium files uh, I really love his stuff, so I I think I want to try and find Ever Seventeen after this. You are, um, yeah. But um, yeah, like I I like that this blends visual novel with escape room puzzles. Uh, I think the when I think back to it, the localization was really good. Uh, I remember there being like a robot um, that was like uh, speaking in a very British um, accent. And that's always like a nice, a nice charm when it seems like, oh, this isn't localized for America. This is actually done by a British person. I don't know if mm. it is, but that's the vibe I got when I was reading it. 
I have played like the um, game that came before, which is Nine Nine Nine, which is also very good. But I pick Virtue's Last Reward. That was the first one I played of the two. I haven't actually played the third game yet. I, I really rate it. Like the fandom seemed down on it, but it's it has some cool tricks of its own, and it's the same sort of format. So escape room and visual novel which i think is cool i'm like stupidly hanging on for it to come to switch um that's what i'm waiting for and it's just not happening and i'm like why is it not happening um so i should probably just buy it elsewhere but um you know i don't like playing them on my computer so yeah um yeah so that's why it's i haven't played it but uh i do like the art style i i know it got kind of it said it was the weakest of the three but i i still reckon like compared to most games it's still probably really good yeah well that's basically it. it's like congrats you're the worst part of a really strong trilogy yeah you know yeah <laughs> um so going back to like virtue's last reward um kind of prefer this one to 999 because 999 I think is really really well written but maybe a bit too much um I think this is a bit more palatable um I'm not like super into like some of the gruesome deaths that some of the characters go through uh which is like very graphically written in 999 um I think Virtue's Last Reward still has a bit of that but it's not um, quite as heavy. You've got the kind of ambidex game with the do you ally or betray with the characters. I think the first few times I did that, I was so like tense. I was like screaming at the Vita, like, oh my god, <laughs> that person betrayed, you know, like <laughs> yeah. really, really into it. Um, and I think I got, also- I got really distracted because it's basically the same rules as Jasper Carrot's Golden Balls quiz, <laughs> <laughs> which is like you decide whether or not you're going to shaft the other person. It's it's tough, but yeah, uh, that that association is forever made. <laughs> <laughs> I really love um, how Uchikashi's games, like he kind of designs. He, he thinks of like, oh, this is a branching narrative. So the narrative is actually about the branching. Mm. Like he did that with like AI Somnium uh, a little bit as well. Like, oh, characters are remembering things from like other routes. Mm-hmm. Um, and here it's, uh, again, can't really spoil, but, um, you know, all the branches actually mean something. It's not just different routes. Mm. Um, so, yeah, like I really loved it i'm really looking forward to replaying this again at some point yeah i yeah i, I love it um i, I love, love the mix of characters i think the the balance of story to the escape room bits is really really well done the use of the flow chart i think is absolutely genius um I and mean, it was smart in 999 but i think they really it really perfected it here i think it does work as a standalone game as well you know like mm. if, if you play the whole trilogy there's obviously on running stuff which makes a lot more sense but it's still just a really good thriller really good characters locked in a really strange place which which is just like such a cool recipe i love the little science and philosophy lessons you know mm, there's yeah often you kind of encounter all this weird stuff and someone will explain like the turing test or whatever and mm. it just i don't know you kind of you come out a little bit smarter at the end of yeah. these games um <laughs> And you also apply that stuff elsewhere and like what you learn in one branch, you start thinking about in another branch. I just think it's really elegantly done. I think this guy's like a mega brain, just genius. Definitely, um, yeah. 
Yeah, both this and the AI games are like just top notch. I suppose on a related note, Lucy, were you a big PS Vita head? Was that like a big part of your life? It really wasn't, actually. I think I've told you everything. <laughs> it was uh, it, again. It was my husband's console, and um, he bought me Steinsgate and then got me Virtue's Last Reward. Um, and then at that point, I think the Switch had kind of come out. Um, mm. So then I just moved on to that. So I'm not like a, a Vita person <laughs> at all. Oh. Oh, that's fine. Hey, you know, you played a, a visual novel on the Vita. That feels like a rite of passage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I appreciate the genre. So. <laughs> that's good. Um, so, Matthew, what's your number one? Uh, your very predictable number my one. My very predictable number one um, is I, I've just put the Danganronpa series because I find them quite hard to take them apart. I don't. I was actually I mean, I'm about this because, like, obviously, Ace Attorney games, but like. I do not need to. I do not need to tell the listeners of this podcast to play the Ace Attorney <laughs> games. Um, I probably don't need to tell them to play the Tangerine games, to be honest, because uh, I've talked a lot about those as well. But I figured, just in case this messaging hadn't got through, I also like this series of murder mysteries. This has more of a high concept to it than Ace Attorney, in that it's about a load of gifted students locked in various. Uh, locations and the only way to escape is to murder another student and get away with it in a trial um so it has like ace attorney kind of an investigations period and then like a trial period but the trial is like a lot more hyperactive it's full of always arcadey mini games like you have to shoot the evidence at the lies and all this kind of stuff and that's a little hectic it's a little bit much but i think if you can kind of get through the the kind of little bit muchness of it Actually, the murder mysteries are great. I really like the setup in that every student in these three games is like the ultimate something, like the best at a particular Mm. discipline. And because of that, it can actually have some really weird creative murders and solution to the murders because lots of people bring very unique skill sets, you know, from like there is literally an ultimate detective is one of the characters, but then you'll have like the ultimate hacker, the ultimate pole vaulter or whatever and how they use these people who initially seem quite cartoony and tropey is often like really well done. I think the third one's got the strongest cases for me, but maybe like the first one in terms of like the coherence of the the story. Yeah. You've also played these, right? Yeah, but um funnily, um I only started playing them recently. I think okay. you guys you guys mentioned my name on a podcast. Uh many episodes ago and like oh we'll talk about it with lucy and i'm like shit i have not played these games <laughs> oh no we f- oh sorry you didn't have to no have to no to it's it's actually been <laughs> one that. of the best things like i i couldn't put them down so i played like danganronpa one um near the beginning of the year and then i was straight on to two uh then i watched the anime this whole year wow. is like i've, I've loved danganronpa so i'm glad <laughs> i'm glad that it's like your number one pick because it is really good it was just one of these weird like visual novel areas that i just hadn't played um mm. and it was one of those like i'd heard mixed things you know i'd heard some people be like oh yeah it's great they're the, the like the best visual novels and then other people be like oh but they're you know they're really sexualized and it's really off-putting and <laughs> yeah. and, and it's like yeah i guess it is both of those things <laughs> yeah yeah um so yeah i think someone someone along the line said i wouldn't like it because of that but right. and i think i think that put me off but um i know i'm really glad that like i've played it now um I'm, I'm actually kind of near the end of three um right i'm on the fourth um class trial 
in right, okay. in uh, three. Um, and yeah, like have you I've done the one with the video game. Yes, yeah. um, I think that's the one. I think that is the one I'm on. Yeah, right. that is the one I'm on at the moment. So I haven't quite figured out who's done it yet. Um, mm. I kind of ended it on a cliffhanger last night because I, right. like, I really can't put it down. <laughs> yeah, I think what's so good about these games is that, uh, at least for me, like I'm not very good with. Um, like murder well you know i i find murder mysteries fun but like some of the the deaths in these games are quite like gruesome um but because they always look like sprites even when you're going around in in the 3d world they're like a flat image these characters they kind of don't feel real like it makes it quite enjoyable for me like that this isn't a realistic portrayal of people it's like looking at some weird picture book or something if that makes right. sense yeah that um, makes sense. i i do also really like um monokuma and oh really um, yeah like his kind of he's one of the more divisive elements i, I bet i bet he is yeah <laughs> <laughs> um i like that um he'll you know jump in every now and then and just make a bit of a pun about like there's one where he's like defending adventure games because it's like, well, the you know, it's a cheap budget to make an adventure game and all these kind of like fourth wally breaky things. I think um, I saw one recently that's like him saying Spike Chunsoft games are designed um, so you can play them alongside your studies. <laughs> mm. um, and then I think uh, recently he was saying how he uh, he hates Sonic, but without saying the name Sonic, um, he's like, I hate that damn hedgehog. <laughs> Um, that's why yeah I'm surprised he doesn't resonate with me more based on that (laughs) yeah it's I think I I struggled a little bit with his like weird sadomasochistic relationship with that rabbit yeah Um, that is really I don't like that in two that is really unsettling that's that's always like uh, if there's any hesitance with these ones it's that stuff there's also just some weird I I remember two having some really weird like sexualized moments with one of the characters that just she kept ending up in weird situations yeah and as a as a female player it's like i really I, you feel like i shouldn't be here you know like, right. <laughs> and it's you don't you don't want to feel like that because like you know this is it should be a game for everyone it's quite a, a wide series you know but this yeah it fe- it does feel perverted at times and yeah. I don't i don't like it for that um, yeah, that's that's yeah, that's that's annoying because I think there's yeah. like, like the the, the the core mysteries and everything are easily as good as like the actual mysteries that you do in Ace Attorney. It's just it's got this quite sordid skin on it, but yeah, you know, I think like compared to Ace Attorney, I I just find myself following the mysteries a lot better in Danganronpa. It always like stops with you. It's like okay, now it's thinking time, and then you'll do like a mini game. Like, mm. what was the item used for this? And it always makes sure that you're on the right page. Whereas yeah. Ace Attorney can sometimes lose me and I'm like, what are they talking about? I, I especially <laughs> yeah. got that in, like, The Great Ace Attorney. I think there was, like, one of the cases I just didn't know what was going on. And I don't yeah. like feeling like that, you know? Yeah. You, you get to that point where you're like, shall I play my attorney badge as a piece of evidence? Yeah. <laughs> no, surely not. <laughs> no, I, that's when you know you've really biffed it. Yeah. 
that's like when I had an eight-year hiatus from playing um, Justice for All. <laughs> I was like, try, like halfway through a case and trying to figure out what the hell had happened in the case, where I was in the case, and that was like I, at least four hours of time dedicated to figuring that out. I swear. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's that's good to know um, that they keep it coherent. So Matthew, any kind of more to add on that in terms of like, I suppose like people should start with one and work forwards, right? It's yeah, easy to get hold of now. Absolutely. I, I haven't played the Switch versions of these. Is that what you're playing, Lucy? Yeah, I got the um, like the physical one that's got all of them on. Oh, nice. Does it does it hold up well? Does it? I guess it runs um, fine. So I well, I actually played the first one on Game Pass because that was when it. That's when I played it because it was on there for free, and, oh, I, and right. because I wasn't sure if I was going to like it, I started it on there, and I was like, okay, I like it, so I ordered ordered the thing. And um, the second game was fine, uh, but the third game has crashed like three times, like hard crash. Oh wow! Um, oh. So I've I've had to, you know, go back and um, quite a way. Uh, oh, fast forward that. my text, and that actually happened like the first half hour. You know, when you just start a new game, it's like. Oh. I was really upset about that because there's quite a lot of running around from in at the beginning of three, like from these like big mecha robot things. So you yeah. couldn't you couldn't even just skip the text. It's like oh, I've got to actually run around again, and um, yeah, that kind of oh, sucked. Blows. Yeah, but oh. the second game seemed okay. Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> Didn't crash for the horrible rabbit. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> Might play these on Steam Deck then instead and reduce my uh, chances of crashes. Yeah. That's uh, that's good to know. Um, well, then we did two very good uh, top five lists there, so I'll put those in the episode description so they're easy to find for um, people who want to just get grab the recommendations and get on with their lives. That's absolutely fine. Um, but we've got a bunch more uh, to kind of cross off here because we've got like a lightning round of sorts of uh, bonus categories, Matthew, that you came up with. Um, is there anything um, you want to say here about how you've tried to kind of expand the remit of what we talk about and, and how you've approached these categories? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> in uh, which case, let's get on with it. Uh, good. <laughs> Um, they're all pretty self-explanatory, but I suppose they dial in on individual game elements, yeah, this right? Was, like, yeah, I sort of intended this more as a, you know, if you've got to this point and you've not heard a recommendation you're into, maybe something here will just quickly grab you. <laughs> okay, cool. So first up, then we got the best gateway game into the genre. I'm actually not sure which of you has put these in this um, in these. Uh, these categories. are these are Lucy. I was very lazy with this document. Ah, it doesn't sound like you, but um, yeah, uh, Lucy, <laughs> <laughs> what have you put here? Um, so yeah, we've already kind of covered it, I guess. I, I think pro- probably Danganronpa is the best to get into it if you can deal with the the kind of anime bullshit. Um, if yeah. you if you're not into the anime bullshit, then I think the Ace Attorney trilogy is a really good place to start. Which still has a little bit of anime bullshit, but not not too much. Um, oh, nothing yeah. compared to the others. It's so chaste no. compared to the every other game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, cool. Uh, that was uh, that was very fast. So the best stories is the next one we got here. So um, yeah, this is interesting, Lucy, because it's got a couple you didn't have in your uh, your top five. Yeah, so um, I'll skip the others and um, go on to AI Somnium Files, which we did talk about. Um, so that's another one by Uchi Koshi. Um, I didn't put it in my five because I think Virtue's Last Reward is just stronger. I think it's a better mm-hmm. story. But that's not to say that this is not a very good story. It's, it's really good. Um, I recently played Nirvana Initiative, which is the second game. Um, which I think is weaker than the first, but again, really good game. Um, some really like emotional moments, really nice characters. 
And yeah, another game I put as best story is Bury Me My Love, which is a um, an indie game. Uh, well, an indie game is made by um, a few like different teams, like Mystic Messenger, another one that's on your phone that's kind of works like a WhatsApp kind of conversation. Um, mm. And it's quite uh, like serious. It's about a woman trying to uh, get out of um, Syria um, as a refugee. And you kind of like 80 days, um, you have to make a route and things happen along the way. Um, but I've only played it like once and I didn't, I got quite far. I think I was like about to go to Greece and then something happened. Um, it's a really good, it's very serious game, but it's uh, really like, kind of expands what video games can be and mm. um, it's definitely What's worth it? checking out but yeah. is is it it's not like texting you at work about this syrian lady is it i can't quite remember mm. because i okay. think i think i played it for igf many right. years ago oh, i see so i was playing like it just in you know as fast as possible if you play it on the phone it might text you throughout the day right. i'm not that quite would sure be, that would be a bit intense for me yeah it might be a bit intense. i think like the sheer contrast of having that and mystic messenger on your phone at the same time would be like <laughs> that would be intense like um i've got i've got to deal with these hot korean boys and then i've also got to help this woman with this her whole situation yeah. like it's I'm, I'm balanced i've got a very varied life here <laughs> Oh, that's really cool. That's um, again, I guess, shows the kind of like uh, tonal range of this um, this genre, though, Lucy, and the kind of stories you can tell when you know when people venture outside of like I don't know, I guess, more obvious subject matter. Yeah, exactly. Um, if you're cool. looking for like, if you're not looking for anime bullshit, you want something quite serious. Like this is a really good game. That's it's it's kind of like a piece of art, I think. And I don't, I, you know, I I did see it get like nominated for BAFTAs and things um, a few years ago, but I otherwise don't see many people talking about it, and I do think it's it is really really good. Okay, awesome. Um, so we've got the best and worst character from a visual novel. So these are your uh, picks, Lucy. Um, but I assumed that one of them was Matthews based on the choice. But uh, yeah, who have you got for best, first of all? Uh, well, I just put a, a few names here. Uh, I'd love to know what Matthew thought as well, because I'm just like, <laughs> just writing some of my favourites. I've got like Kyle Hyde from Hotel Dusk. Oh, um, yeah. Nagito Komeda. I'm probably not pronouncing his name right, from Danganronpa. So Danganronpa 2. Um, it's kind of the crazy, chaotic character who has probably the best... Uh, in my opinion, like the best um, mystery around him and what happens to him. Um, and then I also put Kazuma Asogi from The Great Ace Attorney. Um, I always really like the kind of tutorial characters that they give you in Ace Attorney games. They're like, you know, looking after your uh, main character, uh, someone to look up to, and then all of a sudden, like, they get killed and they disappear and I really was like heartbroken when like the first uh, case what happened with Kazuma um I am probably spoiling the game a bit for people who haven't played it oh I'm sure um, it's cryptic enough I'd say yeah um but yeah he's I just really like him um but yeah I'd like to know your favorite characters yeah I, yeah Carl Hyde's awesome um I'm a big... Why is Carl Hyde awesome, Matthew? It's like he doesn't want to be there kind of attitude. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, like he's, he's kind he's of like, nonchalant. 
Yeah, he's the right like detective for that particular mystery as well, in that he's... It's sort of like a lazy mystery. It isn't, like, particularly high stakes, and he's perfectly sort of suited to that. You know, he's not a super go-getter, but he's not a total, like, mess either. He's just kind of a bit of a... A bit, like, lazy, a bit of a bozo. People don't tend to use that with characters because you need to have a bit more momentum than that, mm. but he sort of suits the vibe of it. I like the way he looks as well. He just looks cool. Like his little drawing. The way he kind of tilts his head. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you're worse, Lucy. I'm curious about this. Yeah. Uh, so I've put Toma from Amnesia Memories. So Amnesia Memories is a, an, another Otome game. And this is a character that you can like romance or get close to. And it goes really wrong. I don't really know where to start. He's the, you know, happy-go-lucky. Like, he seems really nice on the surface. I was like, oh, yeah, like, I want to get to know this guy. Um, and then he starts, like, kind of controlling the main character and being a bit weird. And long story short, it results in him caging the main character. <laughs> like, prisoning her. And then barely feeding her. And then starting to drug the food that he does give her. Oh dear. And it's Jeez. just like, this has absolutely, what, what the heck? Like, it's meant to be a bit of a, uh, not just a romance game, but also like a, the, the main person's forgotten uh, their memories. And right. it's a little bit, it's a little bit dark and gritty at times. Um, mm. But you didn't really expect it to take this turn. Is he someone you're actively romancing in this game? It was meant. It, that's what it was meant to be. So you you go in feeling like, oh yeah, like I think <laughs> I like this. Me. I like this character, and then it just turns, and you're like, foot, like I want to get out. Like this is awful, and it just becomes <laughs> like some kind of like traumatic experience. Right. And oh. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, at least amongst the Tomei fans, like people really don't like this guy. Yeah, no shit. It's really messed up. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so he's the worst. <laughs> and the Steins uh, Gate you, cast, you've noted yeah. down here. <laughs> the entire cast. A, tr- a trope I really don't like in games is where you have a really young child character who's really, like, shrieking and grating. Um, like, I don't really like Pearl Fay in Ace Attorney. Yeah, I'm not. Agreed. Um, and actually, in um, Umineko the incredibly long visual novel that I'm playing, there's this little girl who's got this sort of like, not speech impediment, but she has this, she does this like wail before every single line. And it's so grating. Every time I hear it, I'm like, I wish this child like the worst possible outcome. And she does actually get put through the ringer a fair bit (laughs) to the point where I'm, but I'm still like, eh, you know, maybe this is okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's <laughs> just awful. Just an awful wretch of a child. I don't but, really um, like, at least in Danganronpa, I don't, I don't really like the me characters the that are like the more little girl ones either. I don't know what it is. Yeah. It's I just, just a bit I, I'm not. I'm not into like baby speak and stuff or like that kind of all the voices are just so high <laughs> compared to everyone else's like register you're like oh my god I could just really do without this um, but it's cancelled out by having like an incredibly old guy who's awesome so you know that's fine in Umineko <laughs> that's good in like the, your best characters in anything Matthew it's always old Japanese men like, oh I love old yeah. on this podcast. cool old Japanese men who are incredibly noble um, yeah I love that <laughs> <laughs> okay very good um i like this category the most interactive so games with other gameplay gimmicks mixed in um 
Well, there's definitely one game tucked in there I did want to ask about because it is massively celebrated and it was re-released this year on Switch. So, uh, Lucy, why don't you go through your picks here? Yeah, um, so I thought, like, most interactive, we've got Danganronpa, um, AI Somnium. They're games where you get to kind of walk around and explore. Um, Danganronpa has, like, even, like, mini mini games, like driving and things. Um, but, yeah, I, I guess you're thinking of 13 Sentinels, Aegis Rim. Which yeah, that's right. I'm. I've heard people describe it as a visual novel, and I'm, I'm like, I suppose, I suppose it is. I never really thought of it like that. I maybe see it more as just an adventure game in general. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but then it has the um, the battles, and I really, really love this game. It's um, it was like my favorite game um, of the year when it came out. Uh, I love like the cast of characters. I think um, you know the anime kind of bullshit is quite a minimum in this game. It's not too bad. It has um, recently come out on Switch, and I have bought it, but I I played it on PlayStation Four. Did you guys play this one? I really rate it as well. I don't know if I fell in love with the sort of tower defensey sort of roboty bits. I felt like I was doing them more just to sort of like unlock stuff and push the other story bits forward but absolutely beautiful. I have this on Switch. It looks absolutely amazing on the OLED Switch. I think you're definitely right. And it, I don't think it feels like super anime-ish, but it's, it's deliberately tropey in an interesting way and it kind of factors into the story somewhat about like what the deal is with this. And like it's a game with like a lot of like pop culture influences. And But again, you kind of have to sort of play it to kind of unpick all this stuff. I think it's, I think it's, it's pretty special. Yeah, it has that kind of, like, um, Zero Escape and AI Somnium. Um, the same kind of twisty-turny sci-fi narrative that seems pretty smart. Um, yeah. Like, you just really enjoy, like, going through it all. Um, yeah, and it starts off and you're like, how the hell is any of this going to ever, like, coalesce into anything? Yeah. Because it's, you know, it's like, almost feels like 13 different stories happening at once, but mm. it does make sense eventually got one more here as well Lisa. yeah um i put long live the queen which is um quite a popular visual novel on steam and that is um like a, a princess maker kind of game so uh it has a lot of stats like you kind of design um your queen and because of that depending on where you put your stats you end up with like lots of different endings um i've only played this one for about like three or four hours and i think there's like loads of other endings um to unlock but um yeah that's a really nice one if you're if you're into more like stat building kind of games um she uh the queen like ends up uh if you don't do things right like dying in loads of different ways um so yeah it's quite a i, I guess uh it's kind of light-hearted it's not like too serious and it's very nice to like okay that run didn't work so let's try again and, and try different stats uh that's a, yeah another cool unusual pick there so um got a couple more categories so the best epic visual novel to lose yourself in you've got one pick here but it's um one that's uh, certainly received acclaim um in the past couple of years mm. uh so i went with the house in fate morgana which is probably my favorite visual novel ever um but i didn't put it on my list because i think it's kind of niche and i think it's quite difficult to get into i don't think it's everyone's cup of tea 
Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's it's really it's really fantastic. Um, it you know it's about fifty hours long, so it's quite quite a long read. Um, mm-hmm. And it starts off with like a few different stories. Each one's about five hours long. And these stories don't really seem to link together that much uh, until you're about like 15 hours in. So you have to you have to kind of dedicate quite a bit of time to get invested in it. But when you do, it's it's so, so worth it. I really like it. I really like the kind of creepy atmosphere of this. It's quite a gothic game. The soundtrack is... At first, again, it's something that's like, oh, this is, this is a bit weird. Like, there's vocals in these tracks, and they're, they're singing in, like, European languages. Um, quite a lot of the songs are in Portuguese. And it's it's very strange. It's like, it's almost like you're watching, like, a, like, an old stage show or something. How the stories all come together is really, really fantastic. It's very powerful. Uh, for a game, for well, for a visual novel that doesn't really have many choices, I think it's really impressive how it puts you in the shoes of, like, someone else that, uh, you know, a character that's going through something. Um, it's just, yeah, it's definitely like my top one for losing yourself in in that world. Mm. Have you guys like played it or? I haven't. Uh, can you say more about the premise in terms of like what the. Um, purposes of what you're doing i suppose yeah so so it's like uh you go in you 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 know a character with no memories um you go into like this house um and it's all dark and you meet this maid and she's like oh you don't remember who you are well let me tell you some stories that should help regain your memory and she tells you uh, the first one um which is about like people that used to live in the house Uh, and every like story has like a kind of a tragedy at the end of it um Mm. and then the second story that she tells is quite a like as as horror as the game gets it's it was actually a bit off-putting for me um i couldn't i i I took a long time to get through the second story because it was really creepy and then the third story was um like more like in um, I think it's like in the industrial area, so it, it like goes through like a thousand years of like what happened in this house, um, and the last story is another one that kind of ends in tragedy, and then the main character starts getting like his memories back and understanding like who this maid is and what all those stories meant, um, and yeah, then it, it kind of keeps going and it's yeah, I can't really spoil it if I say much more. <laughs> I've started this several times and I haven't finished it. It's got like quite cursed energy <laughs> to mm, it. Yeah. Like like because of the music and the art style is very like delicate. This slightly kind of like weird like European setting. It feels incredibly like ornate and like a weird chintzy dollhouse. Yeah. And has this like the characters are all a bit creepy looking and mm. I- I've had several runs at this. Enough that like some of the music's like burnt into my head <laughs> just from hearing like the opening bit it has this like child's like nursery rhyme yeah, kind of clapping song. Oh my god, I've heard that song a lot. Always intrigued by this one because it had like the highest Metacritic rating on Switch for like a period. Cause it had been reviewed by like five visual novel nuts who all gave it like 10 out of 10 so it had like a hundred on metacritic uh for a while everyone was like well is this the highest rated game of all time this strange yeah. visual novel but 
everyone who has made it through to the end, I've only heard people say it's one of their top things ever. So mm. it's kind of like, uh, you know, kind of life changing in a way, which sounds a bit Ooh. a bit much, but it's like it, it it really was that for me at least. Like it really just it's a great example of like empathy and compassion in a game, which you wouldn't mm. expect from this kind of creepy gothic kind of horror game or mm. you know uh with you know creepy music and stuff um but yeah it really gets there and i'm really glad that i stuck with it i don't think i would have stuck with it if i hadn't heard all these people saying like it's so right. good you know like it took me like about three four hours to finally be kind of interested and then the second story was just for me was really quite off-putting like i nearly put it down um right and i'm so glad that i didn't uh but you know, it's, yeah, it is quite, and, and also like, as it from coming from a game design perspective, I think the pacing of the game is, it's, it's a little bit off. Like I would make certain things shorter in certain parts a bit longer and focus. I, I think sometimes it kind of repeats itself a little bit. It's definitely right. not like a 10 out of 10, but it does do something that I haven't really seen another game do. Um, so yeah, I really, really like it. Oh, what an endorsement! Uh, uh, yeah, for sure, an, an, an epic for anyone out there who wants to undergo one. I feel like this podcast is stopping Matthew from playing this properly, uh, which I feel bad about. But uh, he has to play God of War games, so what can I say? Um, okay, cool. So, last category then, Lucy, the visual novel that best respects your time. Um, so, why don't you run through those? Yeah, uh, put uh, One Night Stand on there because I think. Oh, it sure does. Yeah, it's, you want something like twenty, thirty minutes? Like you could just play one night stand and have a bit of a blast um maybe try it again see if you want to do something different um yeah also like eliza is i think the best kind of short visual novel and one that we've not mentioned uh overboard um which Ooh. i think that came out was it last year uh it's like the reverse mm. murder mystery where you commit the murder and then try and cover it up um, mm. that's another one that I think you can play like a route in like less than an hour um, and if you oh, want to yeah. do like the perfect murder um, you know you can still do that like within a few hours like figure out the best way to do things um, mm. and again you don't have to replay it if you don't want to you can just play it once great hook as well yeah. like uh, that's mm. that's like Inkle at their like best I think in terms of like yeah it's really good you know you really know what you're trying to achieve the whole time and so it just really focuses everything you're trying to do in that that world and yes one night stand definitely respects your time um I think I was thrown out naked and then heard the police sirens like twice within 15 minutes so uh the best yeah, best one I had like I felt like it I felt like we were actually really hitting it off and uh then uh a particular photo went viral and I was like wah, wah. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. um, I like that. Uh, that one. was on me for taking it, but <laughs> I like how that one comes like several, you know, fifteen minutes later and just bites you in the ass. Yeah, I, I sort of for- I had sort of forgotten about yeah. it, and then it was just like, oh no, I know what this is. <laughs> Out of curiosity, uh, Lucy, um, when you came up with the some of the outcomes in that game, did you enjoy coming up with the ones that were more voyeuristic or taboo? Uh, or did you find them a little, or, or did you find them harder to kind of like create? I suppose that's a weird question, but 
and create the possibility space how much of it is about or oh, wouldn't it be interesting to do x versus well this is something you can do so it should probably be in there uh i think it was more the former of like wanting to just add things um you know you, you see you can see like her underwear on the floor and that's one of the endings is um you can put her underwear on um yeah got that one <laughs> <laughs> yeah um it was just like having a bit of fun with it really um you know you've got like some endings in there that are just normal like oh yeah we say goodbye and that's it um and then you've got like more outlandish ones like that the one where you just leave um but this seems to be the, the one that people struggle to get the most is like you just spam the the leave button um and he mm. keeps saying to himself like i'm not going to go out without clothes i'm not going to go out without clothes and then after a while he's like well could i like would that be a bad <laughs> thing and, and then you just like keep pressing it and convincing him he's like right that's it i'm gonna go out with no clothes it doesn't matter um so it was just kind of like well if i can do it like why not add it um i did have to rein it in a little bit i was thinking of adding like more endings where you could like jump out the window <laughs> and stuff like that but then it's like oh then i've got to draw like the window scene and have you know animate someone jumping out of a window that's probably not a good idea <laughs> yeah i'm doing an ending where you walk out naked covering your gentles with the teddy bear the precious <laughs> item belonging to the girl oh, no. uh, yeah <laughs> we could theory craft this all night i'm sure um well, awesome. Well, thank you for your um, additional recommendations there, Lucy. That was awesome. And um, we come to the end of the episode. So I'd love to encourage people to check out Videoverse. Does it have a Steam page where people can uh, wishlist it, etc.? Yeah, so Videoverse is on Steam now, so you can wishlist it. Um, and uh, my previous game, One Night Stand, is on uh, most consoles and Steam, Itch.io as well. That's a, a absolutely great use of an afternoon. Um, can 100% recommend it. And uh, it's cool that... It has this uh, this great reputation and seems to be quite evergreen. Um, you see a kind of conversation about it pop up every now and then. Uh, where can people find you on social media, Lucy? Yeah, so on social media, I'm Games by Kinmoku. That's K-I-N-M-O-K-U. And mm. uh, yeah, that's what I use across like Instagram, TikTok and Twitter. So. Awesome. Occasionally posting pictures of uh, a cute dog and <laughs> Simpsons memes. Yeah, that's pretty like, much uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> I liked your little <laughs> tour of your day. That was fun on TikTok. Yeah, I've just started getting into TikTok um, because I, I've been like watching TikToks for like a year and feeling not confident enough to do my own. But now I'm, I'm starting to get into the swing of it. It's actually really quite fun. So yeah, I'll hopefully be sharing more like of my dev like day-to-day -day life on there and also like me creating animations for the game and things like that. Very cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your recommendations and deep knowledge. It's really appreciated, Lucy. Well, thank you for inviting me. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'm sure we'll um, we'll find uh, an excuse to talk about uh, Videoverse when it launches. I'm excited to play it. Um, Matthew, where can people find you on social media? Mr. Basil underscore Pesto. I'm Samuel W. Roberts. Uh, this podcast is supported by Patreon, patreon.com slash backpagepod. If you'd like two additional podcasts a month, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at backpagepod. And uh, that's uh, that's most of it. There's also an email address, a Discord. You can find it all on uh, on Twitter, though. It's sort of a gateway to all that stuff. Um, thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.